off we go on an all-new episode of the Tall Can Audio Podcast. My name is Matt Robinson, coming to you from our studio in beautiful Bytown, Canada. Happy to welcome back to the show today our buddy Steve Bundo. What's happening, man? Matt, I'm uh, I'm happy to be back again. Uh, there was a huge crowd of uh, Tall Can Audio fans, and as soon as they saw me walking into the building, they all kind of scurried away and got a little upset, so... Uh, the fans are there. They're, they're probably going to go look for their pitchforks they, and their torches they, to get me out of the building. They hang out down there. It looks like the beginning of an awards show, right? And the, yeah. the different limos roll up. People get out and the, the paparazzi goes crazy. So uh, we appreciate you fighting through all that. Um, and you brought beer, which you always do, despite the instructions to not do that. Uh, we always appreciate it, though. Uh, before we get into what we're drinking today, we're on Twitter and Instagram. It's all can audio. Give us a follow there. Make sure you're subscribed on your favorite podcast app. Hit follow uh, hit subscribe, whatever it is. Uh, lots of good stuff coming for you. Earlier in the week, we had uh, our buddy Maddie Lang on to tee up the Raptors season as that tips off on Wednesday night. And of course, a little earlier in the week, your buddy there, Bunda, uh, Steve Lloyd was in here on, uh, oh, on Joe Sunday. Lloyd. Lloydy, yeah, uh, came over and uh, was happy to root through the TCA fridge and uh, and made himself. We, we hung out a little bit afterwards, watched little Bills versus, uh, versus Chiefs uh, yeah. before he was summoned home to the... Uh, you know, the family life, right? Had to get home for dinner. Uh, so that's how that works out. Check all of that out at talkinaudio.com or on your podcast feed. Uh, Bunda, I want to ask you about your Buccaneers, but before we do, what are we drinking here today? Well, uh, I'm surprised there was any uh, beer left in the fridge after <laughs> Mr. Joe Lloyd was here for a couple hours, especially during that Bills-Chiefs game, because that was one hell of a game. It was stressful. Yeah, but uh, as I sifted through the milk and uh, some of the <laughs> honey and whatever else you had in your fridge, I did find a Evergreen Craft Ales Stratosphere IPA. Um, one, it's an IPA, but two, it's got a really cool graphic of an alien on it and I like the can work here. Yeah. The artwork is solid and not only that, but it's one of my favorite times of the year, as you know. Mm-hmm. Horror movie season, Halloween time. So if it's got an alien on it, I'm going for it. So I went for that. Evergreen is uh they make really nice stuff. Um oh, yeah. been in there a couple times, picked up a few things. They were one of those breweries I discovered very early in the pandemic. I think they're reasonably new at that point and uh and ordered a bunch of things, and ever since then, yeah, I've kept an eye out for uh, for new releases. Where are we at with uh, with horror movie season? There's only about a week and a half left. You got like got mapped out how you're going to finish this thing. What have you been watching here? Yeah, I think I'm up to 38 or 39 <laughs> movies so far. Uh, I like I said, I think uh, we've discussed this one of the last times I was on. Mm-hmm. I don't really have a process, but I try and go through uh, the majority of big name. That's a nice smooth IPA too, not too heavy. Nice. I like that. Okay. It's a good IPA. So. Good job, Evergreen. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's uh, I, I kind of just have nights where I'll, I'll dedicate it. So speaking of aliens, I've done my night of dark skies and signs. Yeah, okay. uh, the fourth kind I might mix in. A uh, friend of the show, Michaela Schreider, mm-hmm. she heavily re- requests me to watch it, and I, I've never watched it before. So that's one I'm going to get uh, on top of. Um, I went back and watched the original Nightmare on Elm Street oh, the other yeah, night. Okay. Um, and then I'm going to make classic. Yeah. Classics. I got to get a couple more of the classics in and the new Halloween that, uh, just came out at Halloween ends. The, my favorite all time horror movie is, you know, the original Halloween from 1978 with Jamie Lee Curtis yep. and nice. the fact that they have about three different storylines and trees of Halloween movies, because like every good horror movie, there's usually 14 of them and they get into <laughs> these silly tangents and whatnot. But the fact that they kind of rekindled the series, I think it was in 2017 with Jamie Lee Curtis to make a three movie set. Right. And it was just Halloween. And then it was Halloween 
Kills came out last year. A little disappointing, but okay. Like I'll watch it because I appreciate the series. Mm-hmm. And then now Halloween ends is out, so I got to make sure I watch uh, those in the next couple weeks here, and then finish off with the original Halloween and Halloween Two on Halloween Day. I love that, man. Uh, we're going to talk a little UFC here, but before we do, we've got a couple things to touch on p- featuring or starting with the, uh, the beer you've brought me, mm. which is, uh, from the society of beer drinking ladies, which I gotta be honest with you. I've seen the Twitter handle. I've seen the website. Like I, I was aware of the organization, if you want to call it the group, the, uh, you know, the movement. Uh, I didn't know they brewed their own beers and, uh, apparently, yeah, this, uh, seasonally they do something like that. And, uh, you were kind enough to bring me this one, uh, which is, their ginger snap golden ale. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited for that kind of thing. I have kind of a, well, uh, not kind of, I have a large sweet tooth and I'm very happy to allow that to creep into my beers. Oh, you uh, and me both. Yeah. Like, especially you see it a lot more in like stouts. They, they try all kinds of different, you know, coconut cream pie or whatever stout. And you're like, yes, I'm, <laughs> I'm very much into that kind of thing. So I'm very curious to, uh, to check this out. Thank you so much for bringing it by. It's a 4.5%. Uh, we'll see what that's all about. Um, look, while I crack into this and while I give it a first go, what's happening with the Buccaneers, man? Cause they sit three and three, which actually is good enough for first in the division. That's, that's a terrible division, but you know, a loss to the Steelers. That's not what anybody would have seen coming. What's happening with your boy down there in, uh, in Tampa. Do you hear that? That's the door closing. I'm yeah. leaving cause you're getting me grumpy again, but yeah, it's uh there's a lot going on with, uh, Tommy and the boys, but especially, you know, I, I've seen people criticize Tom because he went to Bob Kraft's wedding on the Friday night. Um, I think it was in Pittsburgh or Philadelphia. Held at a local rub and tug. Yeah, just some <laughs> random spot. But it's one of those things where he did that on the Friday, so he missed the walkthrough practice on the Saturday morning, got on the flight, joined the team, and went through the meetings following night in Pittsburgh. But at the same time, the way that they performed on Sunday didn't mm-hmm. look good, and you can blame the offensive line. You can blame well, and this coming after he missed most camp too. Yeah, right? like yeah. there's some stuff going on down there. Well, there's lots going on, and uh, you know the reports that him and Giselle have lawyered up for a divorce <laughs> and, and whatnot. And there's plenty going on, but the the Buccaneers' offensive line has not been good. Right. Uh, you know they they've lost uh, Ali Marpet was you know a Pro Bowl left guard. They lost him at the beginning of the year. He just you know he up and retired a young retirement. I think he's only 29 years old, but one of those guys that that's. Be nice? Yeah, he's, yeah, he went to Hobart College too. He's a, you know, he's a, a Division three school that uh, was such a great success um, to come right into the NFL and you know be a starting left guard after he was a left tackle at a Division three school. And now he just retired early, and that's been the biggest hole the Bucks have had to fill. Their center position, they lost their starting center at one point, um, and they replaced them with Nick Hainsey, who's been pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, that left guard position, there's a rookie starting there, and he's just getting outmatched. And Tom, the the video that's been going viral for a couple days where he's yelling at his offensive line because it was just not good. Like He doesn't it's have enough time. Look, though. Those are the guys saving your life. You don't want to be caught on tape yeah, berating it, them. It's it, Well, no, and at the same time, but uh, like I don't blame him, though, because he has point one to throw the ball half the time, and yeah. uh, you look at a lot of the these these uh, plays from the other day, it just it bothers me because there's been a different approach to their season this year. When they have guys like Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, I know Julio's been injured for most of the year, but they went out and signed Russell Gage. You know, there's rumors they might bring in Odell Beckham Jr. People are saying yeah. that would help, that would help. It's like it'll help, yeah. but the, my problem and my biggest beef with the way the Bucks have been running their offense is it's a very very run first and try and establish the run offense this year, which is different. Mm-hmm. 
So I look at it in two ways. I look at it as in a positive way that this is their their way of giving other teams no tape. Watch us run the ball more than we really throw the ball, but we can also win these games based on our talent alone. Well, when you play a Pittsburgh Steelers team that was basically having their fourth, fifth strings, corners, and you know their safeties were out, Minka Fitzpatrick was out, like there was just – there was no reason to lose that game the other yeah. day against Pittsburgh, and they did, yeah. and it was ugly. And I think the biggest, my biggest beef is they really, really want to run the ball on first down, and it's just not the strength of the team. Hmm. So yeah. I want to see a lot more throwing on first down. I want to see a much smarter Byron Leftwich, who's the offensive coordinator. He's got lots of recognition yeah. as a potential head coach in the future. You know, here comes Todd Bowles. You know, his first real chance since coaching the Jets, where it didn't go well because. Well, I mean, it was the, yeah, it was the Jets <laughs> back in the day. We didn't have a great roster, but uh, you know he's you know we're we're seeing a little bit different play calling, and we're, we're you know the way I look at it is I want to see improvement. I'm not nervous. They're three and three. They've only played six games. I want to see them kind of fight through some adversity. You know, injuries are are there, but I still believe in Tommy and the boys to just get like that division is not very good. No, it's not. Uh, you know, Atlanta got a, a big win against the the 49ers, which is whatever. But I don't believe Atlanta is going to be much. New Orleans hasn't been very good, no. and I don't really even know what's going on with Carolina after they fired Matt Rule. But you know, my boy Baker doesn't look very good over there either. No, they just traded I was hoping, Robbie Anderson. Yeah, he might turn it around down there and get going. It Same. hasn't panned out. Hasn't panned out. No, so. They're going to win their division. They're going to make the playoffs. I'm, I'm next to positive on that. I'm very confident in that. So I'm not super grumpy, but I'm starting to get pretty <laughs> grumpy watching the game the other day um, and just missing out on making some money on the Bucks. This beer is everything it promises it's going to be. Tasty, It eh? is very, like it comes hard with the ginger, like mm-hmm. right off the top. Uh, it says it's going to have some of that, like what was it, graham cracker kind of flavor to it. There, yeah. There's that in there too, but yeah, it, when it says it's bringing the ginger, it's bringing the ginger. So uh, it's tasty, nice right? yeah, very nice. Uh, so appreciate you bringing that one over for me to, um, to sample. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you about before we get into this weekend's UFC 280. Uh, when you walked in here. Uh, we had one of Matt's uh, guilty pleasures, Blink One Eighty Two, playing mm-hmm. away on the uh, on the stereo. And I know you're sort of uh, you got a soft spot for some of the old pop punk stuff. And uh, actually, I you, I don't know that we had a chance to talk about it last time you were in here. Uh, you got over to see Rage Against the Machine mm-hmm. uh, when they were here for Blues Fest. But the big news here the last couple of weeks has been Blink One Eighty Two back together, and they're launching this big world tour. And Ticketmaster and their new like hybrid pricing model where like the more people who jump on makes the tickets more expensive. I saw people paying like $800 for Blink-182 tickets. And I, look, as a, as a kid, I loved that band. I still have time for that band every now and then. As we saw today, I'll still throw on an album and, and check it out. I'm not paying, forget 800 There's no band I'll pay 800 bucks to see. Uh, 300 was going to be a bit much. Like I got like I got like 150 bucks in my pocket for Blink 182. Did you try and get tickets? I didn't even bother when I saw the the way the prices were playing out in the pre-sales and stuff. Did you give it a shot? Uh I didn't give it a fair shot, but I did check it out. I went through some pre-sale event uh the pre-sale event that uh, I think they had like uh, about a week or so yeah. ago, a couple of days before tickets went on sale and I found some 
okay tickets, 80 to a hundred dollars, but those were like nosebleeds, not great seats. And I'm like, you know what? It's just, I don't know. I'll wait a little bit. I, I read a bunch of things. Like you said, the Ticketmaster, kind of their sales, the way things are working. I'm like, you know what? I'll see how things go on Monday. Yeah. And I, cause I believe it was a Monday they were released on and I, I went and checked it and it was like even worse. Yeah. Like, and I'm like, all right, you know what? I'm and once just, the secondary market gets involved too, right? Like you're just yeah. like, fuck this. It's- yeah. You're getting to a point where it's, and you know, back in the day, Blink-182 would never be a band you'd expect to pay that much for. I was talking to a guy I worked with at uh, CFRA and he was, uh, we were talking before the presale. I'm like, oh man, I'm curious to see how much uh, tickets are. And he's like, no, nah, Blink's been always against having like, you know, gouging people for ticket prices and whatnot. So I was like, okay. And he's like, I'm like really, he's super excited to get in the pit and do all this stuff. I'm like, (laughs) dude, I get into the presale. I'm like, dude, take a guess on if you want to get into the mosh pit, how much it's going to cost. He's like 400 bucks. I'm like, try doubling that (laughs) plus adding another couple hundred. It was like 900 bucks to get on the, I guess on the floor, yeah, general mission floor slash mosh pit area. Yeah, the, he he just he couldn't believe it. He was blown away, and it's kind of surprising to see it. I am excited to see them all get back together. Sure, a couple months ago, I think I saw Travis Barker was rushed to the hospital, and that didn't yeah. look good. Yeah. Uh, you know, Mark and Tom they're back together as well. Well, uh, Mark, I think had a battle with cancer. Yeah, here I was going to say, last yeah, bit. yeah. Um, and they've had their ups and downs, right? Like they they seem to get together every now and then, and then break up again, and. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they're one of those bands that was big, you know, at the, that time where I was most into music, right? For like sure. when you're forming your musical tastes. And so, uh, I'm happy to see them back together. I may, you know, we'll see over the next several months, like it's quite a while before they get, I think it's like May before they're coming to Eastern Canada. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we'll see what the COVID numbers look like. We'll see if the aftermarket prices have come down at all. Like I may still look into it. It would be cool to see them. But yeah, when I saw the numbers being thrown around, there's, there's nobody that I'm paying $900 to go and watch. There's no. just not like no. it. And it, it is though good for those of us here in Eastern Canada that are going to have to go see them in either Toronto or Montreal, uh, that it is fairly early on in the tour. So if they start to hate each other again and break up, like hopefully it'll be later on. <laughs> yeah. They'll at least get those stops in. There's still hope. I think there's a couple dates in and around where Blues Fest would be. Hmm. That they're, I, I know it's a pipe dream, but hoping for yeah. the ability. Well, weren't I, they supposed to be here in like 2020 before the pandemic or something? <sighs> weren't they one of those bands? I can't remember. I don't. Now, that wouldn't have been with, with Tom, but yeah. yeah, I can't remember either, but. I can't, I can't remember, but just, you know, there's a couple dates. They added a second Toronto show though, because I think they're May 11th in Toronto, May 12th in Montreal. Yeah. Then three days later, I think on the May 15th, they're in. Uh, Toronto mm. again. Okay. So there is a couple of days There's there. If they time. wanted to come hang out in Ottawa sure. for a, a nice evening, they could, but then. Uh, well, we, you and I could have them in here and do a pod. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> you wouldn't want me in here for that, Matt. You, you need all your mics to have those guys in here and just have some fun, but I don't know. And, and it's funny you bring up my big thing. I'm going to wait like you. I'm going to wait till closer to May and see what happens in the next couple months and where prices are at yeah. and maybe in the second uh, to your market. Sure. But, uh, also one of my buddies pointed out to that me, I'm not sure if you've seen, but it's been going pretty viral because it's a new thing. Um, the, when we were young tour and it's a festival in Vegas. Yeah, I did see this. And so it's debuting, I think uh, on the 29th of, uh, 
October, mm-hmm. and there's you know some old school bands. When we were young, it's you know headlined by My Chemical Romance, yeah. Paramore, AFI, A Day to Remember, Avril Lavigne's there, Jimmy Eat World, like a lot of those early, like you said, two thousands, yeah, dashboard conventional. Yeah, well, there you go. Well, nice, yeah. so that's gonna happen in a couple of uh, weeks from now. But then think- next year is the big. Like this is the one where my buddy sent it to me, and I was like, "Wow! Like I can I can watch and enjoy every single band on this list." But it's got Green Day and Blink One Eighty Two, The Offspring, Good Charlotte, Five Second Summer, nice. uh, Thrice is on it, Rise Against, Some oh, Forty One, okay. Yellow Card, Bowling for Soup, The Atari, Simple Plan, Newfound Glory, Lit. Like I can go on and on. There's so many bands. This so, is all announced for that that same festival next year. And next year in October. But uh, this festival is starts this, uh, yeah. I, like I said, in two weeks from I now. I think I saw the prices for this one were ridiculous, though, too. Uh, that, it was like a festival pass was like 600 bucks, which yeah. is American. But, you know what I mean? You get all of those shows. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know what? I'll pay well, 700 <laughs> I paid, I think, I, when Guns N' Roses. 600 bucks for just Blink. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> and my buddy's like, well, do you want to go to Vegas and make like a trip out of it? And it's like, you know what? That might be a better like vacation. You know I'd Work it into a couple days in Vegas yeah. in October. Maybe catch a Raiders game, ca- sure. catch a Golden Knights game, yep. you know, go to this festival for a night, like for a couple of days, like have some fun with it, see how it goes. So mm-hmm. that's something I'm keeping my eye on for next October, just to not look too far ahead, but look even farther ahead. I, so I, we'll I, see how. I when... hadn't heard that. I did see the announcement of this year's original and mm-hmm. it looked, you know, if you're into that kind of music, which I am into that style of music, but none of those bands were like right at the top of my list. But that list you just ran off for 2023 makes me go, hmm. Right, they're, they're, I may be following you and your friend to to Vegas. Next Come down fall. to Vegas so, yeah, and gamble, exactly. and make, hopefully we could either put ourselves in more debt from this, yeah, or that's win back the trip. That's <laughs> yeah. what the plan might be. <laughs> uh, so we'll keep an eye on that. Um, yeah, the the blink thing is interesting. Um, like I said, I'm a fan, but not at that price, right? I'll uh, we'll we'll see how that shakes loose, like you said, over the next couple months, and and see what it looks like by the time May rolls around. Uh, this one, this weekend, this UFC card is something that you and I and Creech have been kicking around. Shout out to Creech. Who? Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Where is that guy? He showed up in 10 years. Yeah. Um, that card, ever since it's been announced, I can remember when they announced it, we immediately fired up the group chat and we're kicking this around as like a holy shit kind of, uh, kind of card. And it is absolutely loaded. Uh, but you, you may be squeezed. You have a conflict, man. And so does Creech. Do people not understand that you can't be having major events during big UFC weekends? Like this is, I I, I feel for you guys a little bit. Like who gets married during UFC 280? Yeah. (laughs) You know what? Uh, Normally when you go to weddings, you're supposed to give them wedding gifts. Yeah. Might not give one this they uh, Saturday to a, a wedding. <laughs> I, I got lucky that I was not in, involved or invited to the wedding itself. I just got the courteous, hey, come to my reception, which okay. starts at six o'clock. Yes. But at the same time, I'm pretty happy that these fights are on Fight Island with Dana White's personal island in yeah. Abu Dhabi. Uh, and it's starting at 10 a.m. to like two o'clock is the main card, but yeah. I think 10 is the, the prelims and whatnot. But the two o'clock card, because it gives me some time to be able to watch this fight. Yeah. And well, all of the fights. Right. Um, but if like things go the distance, Maddie, I'm going <laughs> to lose my mind and maybe I'm late to the reception. Right. I don't know. But uh, yeah, not impressed. But at the end of the day, if it was a Vegas card, I'd be missing it. Right. So, or leaving the wedding mega early. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks for dinner. <laughs> just awesome. try to get home for 11, 11 o'clock midnight just to go watch it. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, 
what a card, man. Like you said, we, we've been circling this and a lot of, uh, you know, fighters I really enjoy watching are on this one. Um, some guys to watch and, you know, see how, and even a girl to watch heading forward Mm -hmm. that uh, I'm excited to see as we, uh, we get into these, I know this is a, we haven't had a big, big card in a, in a couple weeks now. Yeah. So I think it's like, this is like a, a makeup card that everyone's going to be just drooling over. So just before we dive into 280, uh, at 279, it looked like it was going to be kind of a weak card. And that was the one where Hamzat Shemeyev was supposed to fight Diaz Mm -hmm. and it completely fell apart. He missed weight by like nine pounds. And they ended up having to shift all three of the top well, half fights. Half the card felt like they didn't make weight. It was ridiculous. It was. It was a mess. But no <laughs> one missed it by quite as much as he did at oh, nine yeah. pounds. And this guy is supposed to be the next big up-and-coming star that they're getting ready to to build the promotion on. We talked about it at the time uh, on the show um, that Diaz was getting ready to leave the UFC. They weren't happy about it. So they were basically feeding him to mm-hmm. Chimaev. Um He's Chimeyev's going to smash Diaz. Diaz will leave in disgrace. Chimeyev will have the Diaz thing on his belt as look what I, you know, conquered and, and they can run that highlight forever. Well, he misses weight. And now all of a sudden Diaz is the one holding all the cards going, yeah, you know what? I did my thing. Fuck you. Right. You're mm-hmm. going to pay me to just face somebody else here on short notice. It ends up being a pretty good card at the end of the day, but Hamzat Chimeyev after his fight, ends up showing zero remorse. He's still acting like an asshole. He doesn't care that he missed welterweight by like nine pounds. And Dana White, this is the thing I wanted to ask you about afterwards, had not one negative word to say about Hamzat Shemaev. And we've seen Dana go off the handle for a lot less, right? In terms of burying people, being pissed at people for throwing an entire card into jeopardy. Uh, he didn't do any of that. He said, yeah, you know what happens and, you know, still talked up the performance that Shemayev did have against, uh, what was it? Dan Hardy, I think he ended up, or no, uh, Holland, not Hardy. Kevin Holland. Uh, yeah, Kevin Holland. Um, it, it, it stood out to me in a big way, man. And part of it, and this is where I want to get your opinion is, is this just, he knows for better or worse right now. This guy is my cash cow and he could be a big part of the future and I don't want to get into a war of words with him. Or, you know, do you think he should have had more to say about how he kind of screwed over the rest of the card and the sponsors and the the, the fans who had already ordered, you know, bought tickets or ordered the pay-per-view? Like this threw the whole card into complete disarray and Dana did not have one negative word to say about Shemayev. Yeah, and you go back to it. I think the card got better when the, these fights yes. got moved around because um, I, it was better to watch Tony Ferguson and Diaz yep. than it would have been, in a sense, to see um, Shumaya versus Diaz. The reason why, I think, is that's something that you address behind closed doors. I know it's not Dana White's kind of cup of tea. He's yep. normally not shy in front of the mic, no. but I th- I look at this as like his first strike for Hazmat Shumayev and I believe he understands, like you said, he's a guy that is your future uh, potential, like global star. Like this guy is a monster, yeah. and you know you kind of got to lecture him. Like he he pointed a lot of it, Shemayev, to um, an injury he had in trainer saying, "Don't cut weight." 
Yeah. Um, you're not going to be able to. I think he had a leg injury that he was dealing with, so they, he it hindered a lot of his weight loss. I don't know how much it's it, 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 to, to believe or not, but you know, I mean, like they hit it right up till the day of, and yeah, it, it's, it's tough. It is tough, and I understand why Dana White didn't carve him. Like I said, he's this is a guy that fought like twice or three times in like a month, yeah. like they're like two months. Like this guy will take short fights, he'll take any fight. He does not care. He wants to fight anybody. You look at that Diaz fight. I don't know many guys that would be ranked second in the world in the, well in the welterweight division. Just beat the number one fighter which at the time was uh, Gilbert Burns, mm-hmm. um, and then goes back and fights an unranked fighter. No, like, you yeah. don't do that because you realize. One, what's the what's the what's the point here? I want a title shot or a number one contender shot, but he didn't he didn't hesitate. He took on Diaz, yep. and Diaz accepted it. They both did. They they fought. Uh, well, they didn't ever fought, but uh, you know they had that fight set. Yep. Ended up switching it up, like you said. I, I believe that he has his warning shot now, and I am curious to see how Amzat Shemaev moves forward. Um, and if he is someone, cause I think even after the fight, I don't care about weight. I don't care no. about weight. I'll, I'll fight anybody. You. I'll kill anybody. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I understand you're trying to be goofy in a bit, but at the same time, if he ever wants to fight for a title, he has to make weight. And that's going to be the big thing is if you don't make weight, you don't, the title's down the line. So I and, guess and that like you, you, you owe the, the organization something. This is the first time that we put our trust in you to be in the main event. We are going to sell this show on your name, and you show up not even close, right? Like, mm-hmm. that. it'll be a while, I think. I, I don't think they're going to hold him back, like, throw him to the back of the line or anything. Um, but, it, like, we had it pegged as basically a foregone conclusion. Kamaru Usman was going to go on and win his fight. Chameev was going to go on and win his fight. And that's what we would see probably by the end of the year, early. Neither of those things happened and mm-hmm. everything gets thrown into flux. But I do wonder if it might be a while before Chameev is, like, the main event. He may have to be a co-main a couple of times again now before they trust him to to be the draw, right? To be the thing they're selling. Because you can fuck the organization over pretty hard uh, by by not delivering the fight that you promised. Yeah, I, I am curious of his next fight regardless. Um, you know, there's been rumors of him and Colby Covington. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see that fight. That's one where, like, Colby Covington, and as much as he's a bit of a, you know, a loose cannon and, and wild guy, and I think his jaw is still getting fixed from getting sucker punched <laughs> yes. by a Jorge Masvidal outside of a Cracker Barrel or wherever they were, <laughs> uh, some steakhouse. Yes. Uh, but at the same time, I want to see these two fight because he's tough. Yeah, and we've seen Shemaev, Other than Gilbert Burns, you know, uh, you know Kevin Holland. You know, he, I think he subbed him in the second round. Yeah. yeah. Um, but at the same time, I want to see a tough fight for Hamza Shemaev. I, I don't believe that he won't get a a, I guess, main event bout for a while. Like I said, I think he's got back. Uh, you know, back room. His hand was slapped by Dana. Um, his purse was cut from missing weight, anyways. So that's something where. You know, he he felt uh, a bit of a difference here. Yeah. Um, and no matter what, like you said, like, you know, if he, he gets to a title fight and he doesn't make weight, he's not fighting for the title. So, you know, even if, you know, whoever the title holder will be, if it's Leon or Kamaru Usman or whoever it is, because I believe that's the next uh, title. I think they're still planning to make it happen in England next year at some time. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, you know, if you're going to fight for the title, you have to make weight, uh, period. Yep. So either, you know, 
kind of shit or get off the pot. You're either just going to be some guy that never makes weight. You fight, you lose half your purse all the time to, you know, the other well, I wonder opponent. if he just doesn't end up being a welterweight. Well, well, the thing is, is like, this is a guy that fought at lightweight too. Yeah, I know. Like, he's, uh, <laughs> this guy's a menace and he says he'll fight, <laughs> like, he'll fight anybody. He he's will, a, though. He uh, I think we, we've talked on the podcast before about his quote where he said, I'll fight and I'll come for every belt. Yes. Like, it's like, okay, <laughs> like, let's see you do that. But, um, like, the guy, he's not small. He's a big dude. He, yes. he can put on the mass and I'm sure he can cut it too. Um, wherever he wants to fight, he could fight. But at the same time, you still have to make weight. So, yeah. you know, that's going to be the biggest thing for him. I'm not so, I'm not worried about it yet because it's still his first little incident. He's blaming a medical reason and, and his trainer and doctor saying to not cut weight. Okay. Uh, I'll let it slide this time just because we've seen this guy take fights on short notice. Yep. And that's the only reason why if he starts to push back and jokes about not, you know, want to make weight, well then, you know what, I'm going to, I get a guarantee it's going to be hard for him to get a fight. Yeah. So he'll be a middleweight or light heavyweight or something. <laughs> that's where we'll end up. Yeah. Uh, rolling into this weekend then at 280, it's been interesting because to me, Islam Mahachev, who's going to fight in his first main event um, for the title, uh, the lightweight championship against Charles Oliveira, he's sort of been on a parallel track with Hamza Chimaev. These two guys who sort of came in. Um, maybe a little bit before, but really made their names during that pandemic era. We were seeing a lot of empty arena or apex uh, center fights uh, or fights, like you said, over at uh, at Abu Dhabi. Dana White um, Special Island. Yeah, this is sort of, they, these guys were on parallel tracks kind of thing, both making their way up very quickly. And honestly, uh, another guy on this card, Bilal Muhammad, really not far behind them, all kind of in this same period and all kind of arriving at the same time. So we'll see. I'm not expecting Mahachev to miss weight by nine pounds or anything, but it's interesting to see them within a month or two of each other arriving at title fights at the same time. So we'll get to the main event here, but this card is built on three huge fights, but all over the card, there mm-hmm. are great matchups and great names. And why don't we start? I always ask you, you know, is there a prelim one? Often I save that to the end. Is there a prelim fight? Is there you know, a fight that maybe not people aren't talking quite enough about. I'm going to pick one this time because this is a fight that could headline any fight night. It could be on pay-per-view just about any other night. That Bilal Muhammad fight, he's taking on Hardy. That to me, uh, Sean Brady. Sean Brady. Why do I keep wanting to say Hardy? That's twice <laughs> in this fucking show. He's taking on Brady and... That is a fight that is good enough to be on pay-per-view. They've rejigged the card a couple times here. This is now going to be the top prelim. It's on free TV if people are wanting to check that out and not necessarily going to order the pay-per-view. Bilal Muhammad is a guy who isn't far behind Mahachev and Chimeev as guy is kind of making his way up, uh, you know, through the ranks at this point. Uh, Hardy's 15-0. and 0. This is not a great matchup for him either. I think Muhammad was probably thinking he deserved better than this in terms of what he was going to be up against, but this is a banger of a fight on free TV. Yeah. And it goes back, you know, right before we get into the fight, but, uh, one of the things I was grumpy with, with the way, um, Kamaru Usman's been lately is he's kind of like, he's kind of walked away from the welterweight division. He was talking about moving up to the middleweight. Mm-hmm. And, uh, then he loses to Leon Edwards. And now it's like, you know, he still had, and he, I know he had done a lot in the welterweight and he's gone through it, but we do see these cycles of these divisions where they come back and you do see some guys like a Sean Brady, below Muhammad, you know, he was right there fighting Leon Edwards. That's his last kind 
kind of decision he had after yeah. there was an incident there with an eye poke. And now you're looking at, okay, now he's had three fights. The one thing you look at below Muhammad, he doesn't get enough love because he's, this is a guy, like he's a decision specialist. Yes. Man. Like he doesn't do anything sexy. And that's where you'll normally, like he's he's been good. He's the fifth ranked welterweight, but he hasn't done anything to really catch everyone's eye. No. So that's where you're kind of like, okay, whatever. Like his last 11 fights or 13 fights, he's 11, one and one. And 10 of those have been via decision and only one of them are split decision. Right. You know, <laughs> like, 10 fights are by unanimous decision. Yeah. This is a guy that just point Mauls fights. You, but he yeah. doesn't finish you. No. So it's like, you know, a lot of people are be like, okay, Bilal Muhammad's a great fighter. Like, we'll His watch last him. win is Vicente Luque, isn't it? Yeah. And I think after he pulls that off, he's going, I think he was probably looking for, if not a title fight, something other than really this 15 and 0 kid. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the, it's a tough match, man. Like, you're looking for something maybe a little higher profile. And you're certainly hoping to be on pay per view. Uh, this is, I think it's just part of the indicator of how strong this card is. Um, but yeah, this is a guy who would have been looking for just about anything other than, uh, than Brady. Yeah, no. And for Brady, this is a guy that this is his first real huge test. He's had some big, a good couple fights, but, um, being 15 and 0, 5 and 0 in the UFC, uh, this is a guy though, that he's, he's more of a, uh, I guess striker, but he's also a good wrestler. So we'll see how these guys fight and go against each other right now. My, my curious this is just to see how this fight does it go to the ground. Is it an absolute boring fight? Or we've seen in the past when we get a pair of wrestlers going up against each other. Well, this can make for fireworks. Yep. Uh, the one big thing too for Bala Muhammad, he has Habib Nurmagomedov in his corner. Yeah. He's been coaching him up, helping him up, <laughs> talking him up a lot. Which for this fight, so um, he's all over the card. Habib Nurmagomedov with a lot of his fighters. Uh, I think this is going to be an interesting fight. I'm not sure how exciting it's going to be. This is the, as you said, this is on the prelims. It was on, I think, the main card, but it was shifted off to the last fight of the prelims. So we'll see how it goes. I don't have a lot of uh, excitement for it, but I know it's a good fight. Uh, I'm going to go with the underdog in the eighth-ranked Sean Brady here mm. because I believe that he's got a little bit more power and finishing ability yeah, from, from what I've seen from Bilal Muhammad. He's fine, but he's nothing sexy. I think he's got 21 wins in the UFC and only five have ever been a finish. Right? This is a guy that just, like I said, he's a, def- a decision specialist. And I know he's got uh, Habib Nurmagomedov in his, in his corner, but uh, I'm going to expect a little bit more of a wrestling boring fight here. Yeah, I'm agreeing with you that this won't have a lot of fireworks, I don't think, but I'm going to disagree and say that Bilal is going to take this one. I think that he's going to be able to uh, to take Brady down and just kind of maul him on the ground. And even if he doesn't finish him, even if he doesn't submit him, uh, I think this is one that he will have owned enough of the action. He'll have dominated enough on the ground uh, through the three rounds that uh, he'll end up taking it as he often does uh, by decision. Uh, why don't we move on to the pay-per-view? They, uh, they're going to kick things off with a women's fight. And this is, I don't know, maybe you disagree, but I, I see this as kind of an eliminator for the next shot at, uh, at Shevchenko for the title. And when you look at, this is uh, Miron Fiora versus Caitlin, and I've struggled with her last name all... Uh, Caitlin uh, Chikagian. Caitlin Chikagian. This is, you know... I. It, Chikagan has almost become the gatekeeper at this division. Like, she's not quite good enough to knock off Shevchenko, but she keeps beating everyone else that they put in front of her. So it's hard. Where do you go? Do they just keep giving, like, are they going to keep giving you title shots? No. Uh, so you're probably going to have to be the person who keeps fighting. Um, 
you know, maybe the next person coming along looking at getting that title shot. If they can beat Chikagan, then the next shot is, or the next move is to send them off to face off against um, against Shevchenko. So Fiora here, uh, out of France, she's been exciting. She's kind of coming up fast, but this is that gateway fight, right? This is the person you got to beat before you get the title shot. Yeah, no, and it's it's interesting too because you go back to it, and I believe it was Jessica Andrade that was supposed to be the fight. It was supposed to be a one versus four here, the next one to fight Shevchenko, and Andrade pulled out, yeah, um, and now is no longer in the fight. And here comes, like I said, this up and coming Manon Fierro. Like, yeah, she looks good, yeah. like, and this is a girl that wants to throw. Yes. Like she likes, she's got some power. She likes to stand in there. This is going to be, I think this. Well, it's interesting because um, Caitlin is the complete opposite. She doesn't finish anybody. Mm -hmm. She either wins by judge's decision or she gets knocked out or finished, right? Mm -hmm. Like she, she's great technically, but she has no power. She has no, you know, it's, so it's an interesting matchup in that regard. Like you said, Fiora is absolutely going to try and knock her out. Yeah. And, and when I look at it, like you, you go back and you look at their fighting styles, Chikagian's a, a boxer, but yeah. like you said, she just doesn't have that power no. where I look at Fiero and she's a karate specialist, which that'll always have my heart having done karate <laughs> for 10 years, having a black belt. Like I'll always go with anyone that has some karate background. Sure. I've always loved Leoto Machida, yeah. a karate hottie. Now we've got, here comes Fiero, <laughs> um, like sixth rank. She's looked really good. And she's got nine straight wins, four in the UFC, mm-hmm. and six of them have been by TKO. You know, and you know she's got uh, a couple that she's not going to be in the reach range. So we're looking at what I see here. Chikagian has a three-inch reach advantage in this fight. Yeah. But this Furo, I can see getting in there and just wanting to end this fight early. And we're going to see experience versus inexperience. Mm-hmm. And we're going to see someone, like you said, who's number one. She's fought Shevchenko. She lost a couple of years ago in a title fight. She's working her way back in. She had a great fight against Amanda Reba that came down to yep. the wire. Yep. But now we're coming into this this young up and coming, um, you know, like last minute, not last minute, but, you know, kind of subbing in for uh, Jessica Andrade, mm-hmm. where she's sixth ranked. She jumps up into this. And, you know, there's a couple fights there right now where, you know, Alexa Grasso, she's number five. She just won last weekend yeah. on the fight night. Uh, you go Andra, she's ranked fourth. She's just sitting there. Does she fight her next? Like there's a big fight there. Lauren Murphy, she beat Misha Tate a couple months ago. Lauren Murphy. Yeah. And then Talia Santos, who's the number two rank, you know, she just lost to Shevchenko in a title fight, but she was one of the first girls to win yeah. a, a round against yes. the Shevchenko and yeah. I think the uh, the flyweight division. So, you know, if you look at Firo, who I'm picking to win this fight, hmm. because I think that she's got just that extra power, but she's sneaky, but I think I like her aggressive style. So I feel like she's going to win this fight against Chikagi and shake things up a bit. Um, and I'm curious to see just how Chikagian looks. Yeah, again, I'm glad, man. This is this is what makes it interesting. I'm going the other way. I'm taking Chikagan. I think she's got the experience. I don't love this fight to start a pay per view oh, because one of your you know one of your combatants here is going to do everything she can to make it dull, right? And in an opening bout on pay per view, you want excitement, right? Mm-hmm. You want there to be fireworks. You want to get the crowd really fired up and and make it feel like an event. And uh, that's just not what Chikagan wants to do. She's going to try and settle this down, probably get it to the ground. 
and uh, the old lay and pray, right? Be on top, kind of, you know, do just enough to kind of get it to the judges and and win that way, which is the way she always wins it. So I'm going uh, with Jakagan here, but it goes the distance and probably not a particularly exciting fight. Uh, that's two the first two fights we've touched on that we've both said might not be overly exciting after <laughs> saying that this card looks amazing. I so think, I love the fight. I think it's a perfect kind of starting. Well, one, okay. I think it got moved into the, uh, the main event for card sure because there's only two women's fights on yes. the whole card. No, I'm title. with you there. I don't and, think this was ever meant to be on the pay-per-view, but they looked at it and went, yeah, okay. Like, we but it's a great fight. You could flip like either one of them, mm-hmm. whether it's below Muhammad and Sean Brady or Chikagian here versus Firo. Um, I guess I think Firo is going to this, I think she's going to win this one, but I think this is one where she's got her, she's getting a big test here and she's hungry. She's like I said, she's a finishing specialist. Mm -hmm. I like this. I want to see her go in there. So I I don't hate it. I like it. I'm, I'm pretty excited for it. I don't hate it. I just think it might be, it might end up being something you wish wasn't kicking off the paper. We disagree on that. That's all right. Uh, we'll move on to the next one here. We got, uh, Darius versus Gamrot. Um, I'll be totally honest with you. I don't know a ton about either one of these guys, uh, Darius has been around for a while, He's but he's, he's still reasonably young. I think in what little I can predict into this sort of fight, Darius is more likely to be wild. Like he's more likely to try and really get in and, and try and stir shit up, throwing punches and kicks. And I think Gamrot might be best served to kind of stay back just a little bit. And not to say he can't throw him, uh, because he absolutely can, but I think he may want to just kind of ride out that first round, like try and avoid. Uh, I heard somebody in talking about this fight the other day, call it Darius's wheel of violence, right? If you could just yeah. stay back from that just a little bit to start kind of feel it out. I think at that point, Gamrot might be able to, to kind of take over, but I think this one as second fight on the pay-per-view, this one might be the one where the fireworks really start. Absolutely. And for Benil Darush, like this is another Habib Nurmagomedov fighter here who is, mm-hmm. I think he was pleading and he made it. all jo- over this card. Yeah. He, uh, <laughs> he was making a joke that, you know, he was wondering why, uh, you know, Benil Darush didn't get a title fight right off the bat. Um, this is a guy that hasn't fought though in a year, yeah. like over a year. Yeah. His last fight was against, uh, Tony Ferguson back in May, uh, of 2021. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious to see how he is in the octagon and, yeah, he's got some power and he can be a pretty intense guy. He's a striker. So I'm loving this fight. But I think, you know, Matus Gamrod is a guy that he's only had five fights in the UFC, yep. but he's got some serious power. He he's does. more of a wrestler. He's got serious power. And I, I was just watching. I think he might be a little more disciplined than some people Darius has fought. Like he might, he might not. I, I don't think he's going to get like. And we'll talk about this in a couple of the upcoming fights. Like you won't talk him into going crazy, right? And coming in and and in the first round, just getting all nuts and throwing shit all over the place. He can knock somebody out, but I think he might be a little more disciplined. He might hold back a little. Yeah, no, and this is a guy that um, he push like he kind of pushes forward, but both of these fighters do. Yeah. So that's where, like yes. you said, the fireworks are going to come in this situation, and we're going to see which guy wants to push. And is it going to be Darius because he's more experienced, or is he going to not have the cardio and not have that ability because he hasn't fought in a year, yeah. over a year, since that's you know, May, yeah. May of 2021? For Matus Gamrot, he's not a natural striker. Like He can do it because he's got serious power. Yes. You go back and watch a couple of his fights, and man, he's got a uh, finish knee to the gut uh, kind of rib cage <laughs> of Herrera and just had the TKO. Horrific, right? But like, yeah, he had a, a crazy knockout to, uh, I think it was a couple fights earlier to this Holtzman character mm-hmm. and it was just, uh, he lands a bomb. Like yeah. this is a wrestler that has some serious power. So 
this is a very well matchup fight because, as you know, Habib Nurmagomedov, like he, he loves his wrestling. They're all built on strength and power and wrestling. Yeah. This is going to be one where both guys are going to be able to wrestle if you want to, or they're going to be able to just go and, like you said, fireworks, bombs are going to be thrown. And I'm excited for it. I'm I am really excited for this fight. It's going to be my my low key slow pick of the night as the fight of the night because wow, I think okay, that this yeah, one could yeah. go three rounds of just absolute craziness. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm hoping that Bantus uh, Gamrot. I'm going to go again with the underdog here, uh, the number ninth ranked guy coming into the fight. Uh, I think he just he has that power and he's got that momentum after four straight wins. He lost his UFC debut and ever since then. He, He's just been on a roll, and I think he needs to be able to take advantage of that ring or octagon rust, whatever you want to call it, from Benil Derouche. Yeah. But I think that this is going to be a great fight regardless, Agreed. and I, I totally feel like it's a pick And like I said, you want to go with the experienced fighter, I'll believe it. You want to go with the underdog because he's you know he's been exciting to watch and more recent, I'll take it. You want to just flip a coin and say it ends in a draw? Hey, I, I'm going to take it. This is going to be a great fight regardless. So if you're making me pick one, I'm going to go with Matus Gamron. I'm actually with you on this one, man. I think it's going to be an awesome fight. I think they're going to go toe-to-toe. I just think you know early on, because of that ring rust, uh, I expect Darius to be a little bit more aggressive. Right, just to come out, see if he can finish it early, and I don't expect Gamrot to get sucked into that. And then I, you know, I think you know maybe a late second round finish kind of thing, or or even go a little deeper. Um, as you've correctly pointed out, when you've been out of the octagon for over a year, the the fitness can be a factor, and so that's why I think Gamrot might be willing to just sit back a little bit and and ride this out, and then maybe finish him late or take a couple of uh, you know maybe take that second and third round from him. Uh, on the judges' scorecards. But I'm with you. I do think it's going to be Gamrod who takes that one. Yeah, I think a third-round TKO is what we're yep. looking at, or, or yep. KO, just because, like you said, this is one where you have a young guy that's got a lot of hype right now, and then you've got an older veteran that's been away from the octagon for a little bit. Now, like, look, you can tell me he trains with Habib Nurmagomedov, and he has great camps, and all these fighters do. I'm sure they do. Yep. But it's when you're back in the octagon again, and you're you know either wrestling or throwing bombs, and you just you don't have the lungs that you just did. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's where I'm looking at recency versus a guy that's coming in excited, maybe a little sour. He has to have a fight against the number nine, you know, yeah. hyped up. Uh, I think he's nine and one uh, in total, but four and one in the UFC. This is a guy that I'm excited to see against a tough competition because he's got some wins there but and some exciting wins. But now you're going up against number six, and this can just blow open the yes. lightweight division rankings, which is already one of the most exciting divisions in 100%. all of the UFC. Yeah. So we had to take a quick little break there to uh, replenish the beers. What did we? Uh, what did we grab today? I uh, today, this time. I, this time I went with the Crooked Mile Between the Rows Saison. It's a strong beer, five point eight, but Crooked Mile and Almont, yeah, I believe. And uh yeah, a really cool can. Just like a nice farm, which going up in a farm speaks to you a little bit. Yeah. Speaks to me a bit, so I'll get in on that. What did you pull a uh, pull out? So this one is uh I think I've had this before on the show and uh I don't know, I, I, I keep grabbing it because it's fun to me. Um I got a nephew who's about four years old to start a JK. Everything in his life is about dinosaurs. And, uh, yeah, toy dinosaurs, dinosaur TV shows and games and everything else. So I guess at some point my mom and my sister are out shopping, um, with him at like a grocery store or something. 
And he stops walking like dinos, dinos. And they look to the left <laughs> and on the bottom shelf is this Jurassic IPA. And so he's pointing at beers with, uh, with dinosaurs on the side of it. So, uh, that's what I went with today. So I always picked that one out just cause you know, reminds you of home a little bit. Right. And, uh, so this is a Jurassic IPA from, uh, from Cameron's Brewing Company. They make some neat stuff. This one is a little stronger as well. I think it's about six and a half percent. So, uh, but we got to go strong here, man. You got a strong beer. I got a strong beer. We are coming into the biggest part of the uh, the pay-per-view, the three fights that this thing is being sold on. Uh, so we'll jump right into that. It's uh, the, the third from the top fight on this card is one that I think a lot of people are very excited about. And you in particular, no doubt, are going to be all over this fight as it is your boy, Sugar Sean O'Malley, taking on Piotr Jan in... Man, a fight I'm incredibly excited for. Yeah, I don't know if you can call it excitement or nerves because for me, uh, yeah, man, like just always been a, a Sugar Show fan just since the Dana White Contender Series. He's got the highlight knockouts. He's got the craziness. He's got the- The pink Lamborghini. The pink Lamborghinis, <laughs> whatever whatever hair. hair it's yeah. wild. He dyes his uh, hair whatever color he wants, then he, he flips it uh, to whatever, but- um, this is a huge fight, huge yes. and intense fight that, um, you know, we, the last we saw Sugar Sean O'Malley, you know, he was fighting his first ranked opponent, Pedro Munoz, yes. which that ended in a no contest uh, because of an eye poke, which yep. was inadvertent, just very simple. One of those things just but, happens. Yeah. and it, it sucked. It was a bummer. Super unfortunate, but it was also a very slow start to the fight. Yeah, it was. And there wasn't much going on from Sugar Sean O'Malley and this big first ranked opponent. And it bummed him out. And he went to Dana White right away and he said, I want to fight. And Dana said, well, who are you looking at? And he's like, the only one that doesn't have a fight right now is Peter Yon. Yep. Let me fight him. And I absolutely love that. Yeah. I absolutely love that because- Peter Yon is a monster, right? Like he is ranked, (sighs) he's the number one contender in that division right now. You can argue he's the best fighter in the division, right? You know, he should never have lost the belt, whatever you want to say. I don't, you know, I'll, I'll hear it right now. Sure. But for Sugar Sean O'Malley, like this is a guy where- you know, he's, he's, I don't want to say he's living off his hype of knockouts, but a lot of his knockouts and everything's come like it's unranked fighters. Yes. And you hasn't just called anybody yet. Yeah. You just called out the number one ranked <laughs> fighter in the division. And I love it because, and I know Dana White loves, and that's his way of getting on, I guess, Dana White's good side. But sure. anyone that, you know, follows, uh, Sean O'Malley on Twitter, Instagram, whatever, it's a guy that loves to smoke his weed, live in his Cal- yeah. uh, California house, has a great view. He makes a lot of money off of his own streaming. He did, He's one of those Twitch streamers. Twitch guy. Yeah, yeah, he's one of those guys. And, you know, good for him. He, sure. he In the past, I believe I, he said that, you know what, uh, I don't have any beef with the UFC about not giving me serious fights because uh, and giving me increased wages because he makes a lot of money outside the octagon, which mm-hmm. he's, he's very, very active on social media. So- when I first heard this fight, the first thing I thought was, oh shit. Yeah. Because this is a serious fight. But two, yeah, it's Pure like- Pure not fucking around. <laughs> oh, not at all. Not at all. And before we even break down the fight, right. it's just like, I was curious of how serious is Sean going to take this? Because I, I looked at him as a guy that, you know what? He's just happy to fight. Yeah. And he's just going to fight middle- middle-ranked guys to sure. unranked guys, have some fun, have some crazy knockouts. Well, the point you were making there, right, is that he's not super pissed because he's making money elsewhere, and the UFC is giving him the platform to stay out there, be a name, be somebody, right? Well, he, have he the highlight reels. Right. And he doesn't have to be a champion to still make money on Twitch. Mm-hmm. Now, all of a sudden, you are in the deep waters, man. Like, <sighs> Piotr Jan's no joke. No, and I'll always, you know, Dana White, I'm sure you do, everybody, anyone 
that loves the UFC, loves a man, loves anyone, man, woman, I don't care. Yeah. Loves someone that goes in there and says, I want to fight so and so. Like, hey, it takes balls. Yeah. To do that, but not only that, you're calling out the number one ranked guy yeah. in the division. Your second ever ranked opponent is going to be the number one ranked person. But to do that, to jump into that, well, one, that fighter has to accept the fight. Yep. But two, you hear it all the time, right? Oh, yeah, this guy won't accept my fight offer. Oh, I'm waiting. I called out this guy. I called out that person, whatever it is. And it never comes down. It never comes to fruition, right? right. It's just something we hear about. Well, to hear that. O'Malley went to Dana and said, give me number one, yep. P- Peter Yawn. Like you said, it's a guy that's probably, you know, if not champion, you know, the number one, like he's, he's right there in this band of weight division. So yes. it's exciting. And for me personally, it's, I'm, I'm just, I'm jacked up for it, but I'm nervous because I know that what I'm used to seeing from Sugar Sean O'Malley, he's a guy that likes to kind of sit back and pick his spots. Mm-hmm. Well, good luck sitting back against Peter Yawn. Yeah. This no. is a guy that pushes the pace and is in your face. The whole fight. Don't you think in this case, and, and it's probably worth pointing out that in, you know, you don't see something this dramatic all this often. Uh, Sean O'Malley has a five inch reach advantage, which That's is huge. going right? to be huge. Yeah. Don't you think his best bet is to try and goad Yawn into staying on his feet? Like, I think if Piotr Yawn can take Sean O'Malley down, this the, the fight won't be long. Right, I, mm-hmm. I think Jan is the far superior, and that's not to say Jan can't can't box. He absolutely can. He can punch, and he absolutely can throw kicks. Um, but that five inch reach advantage that Sean O'Malley has, and he has knockout power, and all those sorts of things, I think if it's up to Sean O'Malley, he's badly going to try and talk Piotr Jan into staying up, keep boxing, keep fighting there. That's where his best bet is. If they go to the ground, Piotr Jan's going to drag him out into the deep water. And I think I think he could be in trouble at that point. Yeah, and, and when I when now I look at this from the uh, Peter Yawn sa- side of a thing, Yawn's coming off a loss to Aljamain Sterling, yeah. where you know what he got beat this time. Like I yeah. like he got beat. Like he like this wasn't a a mega close one either. I, like I believe Aljamain Sterling won this fight outright. Yeah, it was a good fight. Yeah, and well, you and go we back. should rewind the tape for people. Right, absolutely. This, this fight that was the second time they yes. had that fight because yep. at one point. Um, in their first fight, Piotr Jan has Aljamain Sterling down, and he looks at his corner, and he's like, can I kick him? Like, is different, this will sound silly to people, in the face. different leagues, different fight groups have different rules when guys are down, right? And he looks at his corner and goes, can I, can I hit him? And his corner goes, yeah. And so he blasts a knee into his face, and the ref's like, fuck you. You absolutely cannot knee someone in the face when they're down like that. And so the fight ends in a disqualification. Piotr Jan loses the title. Aljamain Sterling grabs it. And frankly, and we'll get into it maybe in the next fight, but Aljo took some shit for that, right? Despite mm-hmm. having been the victim in that situation. So Piotr Jan at that point comes back. He fights Corey Sandhagen, wins that fight, gets himself back in position with Aljamain Sterling, and then loses that one cleanly, right? There's no funny business. There's no disqualification. Mm-hmm. He loses. And so he's going to be motivated here, but he is a great fighter. Like Piotr Jan, mm-hmm. no question a top two guy in this division. No, and he's so good and strong in the octagon. And that's the thing where I'm curious to see. Like there there's a huge jump yes. from you know, even I think Pedro Munoz when he fought uh Sean O'Malley, 
Like he was seventh or eighth ranked, but like you know, yeah. Pedro Munoz. Let's not make you know no. any slides. This guy isn't a world beater. He's kind of a middle of the pack guy right now, and has been for a little while. Right, more on the back you know back curve than he is kind of going up the hill. Hundred percent, but. You know, like you said, Jan is a guy where you go back to that first fight too, where he was cleaning Sterling up. Yes, he like was. there was no contest. He had here. him. He had him. Like it, it would. Have, I think it was late in the fight, but he had the fight just clean sweep. Like yeah. it was. It was all. And Sterling had no answers. No. And like you said, he got he he kind of won that belt, and it was he might a, as well whacked him with a steel chair. Yeah, it was. Like. A, it was a dirty win. <laughs> it was a dirty win, and for him, he took the belt and he took the licking of you know what you really got your ass kicked in this whole fight, yeah. but you won by technicality here. And you know what? Let's see what happens next for Peter Yon. Like you said, he went out and he made sure that Sanhagen got beat up. Like yeah, yeah. for like in Corey Sanhagen's a, a bantam weight. That's right there. I think he's the second rank, third rank. He's mm-hmm. in that top three, I believe. Um, but at the same time, this is a guy that he went out and he made sure that he kind of put a mark made on a him. statement. Yeah, he made a statement win against him in a very it was very tight but good fight. Yep. And then he came back and then lost to Aljamain Sterling yeah. and like you said, legit. straight legit fight. And I like I said, I don't think it was a, you know, what we could pick it apart like we have in the past with, you know, Volkanovski and right. uh, and Holloway or a couple other fights throughout the years. This was a fight where he won it. And now you're kind of getting back into that and Jan is he's still ranked number 1, but at the same time he wants to get that title back. Yeah. And I'm not saying that nobody doesn't want to get the title, but when you, you've been that close, you, you were the belt holder, you lost it. Like, you, like I said, to a silly mistake that you should never have made, but you know, as much as you want to blame your corner, you should know that as a fighter too. Like I, I'll blame you. You can blame your corner all you want. I'm, I'm no, you're right. You should just know. Yeah. Right. You, you should know. He's not a rookie. Like, no. you know, he's, he's such a great fighter. He's one of the best in the division. And this is a guy that should have known that rule and it cost him for sure. And now it's his, his climb all the way to the top. And where Sean O'Malley is coming from is this is a guy that you cannot let him get near you. You need no. that reach. Yeah. You use yeah. your kicks, use, use your distance. punches. Yeah. But the other thing here is, Peter Yon's a good boxer too. Like yeah, he can he throw him. Yep. So if he gets in tight and he wants to throw with you, like you said, you can go him into it. Like he's got some power and he's got it, some it's nasty strategy, right? And it's movement, right? Hundred percent. Peter Yon, if you stick and don't move, he will kill you. Yeah, you have to stick, and, and it sounds so simple, right? But you got to stick and move. You got to hit him and back out. Hit him and back out. Mm-hmm. Especially when you have that five inch reach advantage, you have to use it. If you come at him and you land even one or two good shots on him, he's not necessarily going to go down. He's got a good chin and he will fire back and he will finish you. So I think on the ground, Jan has the the advantage big time. On his feet or on their feet, uh, you know, I, I think O'Malley has the advantage, but only if he's smart, right? Only if he's smart. If he's just going to stand there and throw, he'll get hurt. And <laughs> this is an interesting fight, man. And, and we've talked like... Uh, Piotr Jan being number one ranked in the division, Sean O'Malley trying to make his way up. He's a big star. This is, you know, the eliminator fight, right? The the next fight we're going to talk about, we'll get to it in a minute, is, is Aljamain Sterling defending his title uh, against TJ Dillashaw. The winner of this O'Malley-Yan fight is getting the winner of that fight, you have to think. Yeah, I'm curious to see what happens because Sean O'Malley is ranked 11 right now. And like, like I said, this is his... Uh, if he beats Jan... 
Yeah. He's, just, he's got that star power. They'll push him to the top. We, we just talked about it, right? Uh, with with Bilal Muhammad, we've talked we, about it. We're going to talk about it with uh, with Mahachev. They'll push him up. Yeah, he'll he'll move up. I think he'll, you'll put him in that five to seven range, I believe. You know, in the UFC and the way I they think, move I, guys honestly, up. I think the winner is going to get Yeah, but we, we, we say that stuff about, look at Shemaev. Like, this is a guy that, and maybe it's on his fault, but, like, this is a guy that, you know, unranked, unranked, jumped in, then beat the number one ranked guy in the UFC, yeah. and he barely even jumped ahead of him. Like the, he, like he's still sitting there, at number two. Then he went fought back again. It's all about like, selling fights. It, it is about it's selling not about fights. Rankings. It's not about integrity. Sean no. O'Malley will, if he wins this one, they'll happily sell a main event with Sean O'Malley. Oh, for sure. I mean, he'll be a main event. It'll be a main event fight, but I don't think he gets a title fight right away. I think he sits in that five to seven. And hey, I love it. I'm all for it. Yeah. If he can get this win, like you said, the one thing he is, he's very good, smart, and he's a very accurate fighter. So he knows when to pick his spots. But you go back through his last couple. It's ever since his loss to Cheeto Vera where he had that ankle kind of break foot issue where, you know, and, you know, they've had their trash talk. Like O'Malley always talks about being undefeated, right? His Cheeto Vera loss comes down to his, Mm -hmm. his, you know, they say it could be his leg kicks that he was taking. He needs to be able to take leg kicks because Biryan's going to do that. He's going to hit you in the legs. He's going to let you know. And he pushes forward. Like he's going to be in your face. So Sean O'Malley, the only way to keep him away is using your kicks, moving your feet. And like you said, moving around. He can't be still where he likes to be. He wants fighters to come at him and he kind of picks a spot. So for O'Malley, I look at his last couple fights and he hasn't been able to do that. You look back to Moutinho. Yeah, okay. Like this is a whoever. I don't even care. I think Moutinho took the fight last minute. Like he was like a sub in guy. That's right. You go back to Pavia, like another guy. Well, Another knockout, another, it was, I think it was first round. Yeah, it was first round. And just he, you know, big fight, but I want to see him be able to move. He's a quick twitch guy where they're both switch fighters too, which I love this. Like, this is a great fight. If it it stays up the whole time, I like, I want to see, it's kind of like when we got to Shamayavers Burns. I want to see, like, O'Malley. Tagged. <laughs> yeah, no, I want to see O'Malley get into a war. Yeah. You know, he, he well, has gonna, I think. That's yeah. the point. Yeah. And, or it's going to turn into Yon just wrestling with the ground all the time and not wanting to fight him, and then O'Malley getting sour about it. But at the same time, if he can just show he belongs with the top-tier fighter, that's where we'll see the rank jump no matter what. Even if he loses at 11, he could still move up and I think into the, you know, eight to 11, like maybe he'll stay at 11, maybe he'll go 10, whatever, eight in that area, depending how he fights. But if he right. just gets taken to the ground, you know, basically eliminated from this entire fight, like I wouldn't be shocked to see, because like I said, Jan is just a different breed and he's a guy that should, could be, and you know, should be a champion, whatever you want to tell me. Okay. But for O'Malley, I love the guy, love him. Yeah. And the one thing I do, like I'll credit him on like a bunch of things here, but the big thing is that he wanted the fight, but he's taking it serious. He's, you know, still smoking his weed and doing whatever the hell <laughs> yes, he wants he to is. do, but he's been training for it hard. He's posting videos and doing whatever. He's still being Sean O'Malley, but at the same time, I was worried that, you know what, he'd do this and you get into, I don't want to say he doesn't take it as serious, but this is a guy that I was curious about. Look, dude, like you're not fighting like Chris Moutinho anymore. No, pay, pay, no. Like, you're fighting the number one fighter in the division. And, you know, apart from him being the champion, whatever it was, this guy was a champion recently and shows championship every time he's in that octagon and he's going to be on you. So I'm excited for it. Um, you're going to make me pick this fight. I am. I'm going with Sugar. I'm going with my man Sugar Show because you know what? I'm not choosing against him, but I also think that he does have this ability to end this fight. And I think that's one thing people are going to look at and say, well, he's never fought anyone. All they need is a chance to get in there and fight. Yeah. And if this is, a, like I said, if this is a fight where they're always standing up, 
I'm down for it because this, like, I know I said earlier that that uh, I can't remember the fight right now off the top of my head, but um, I had the fight as the fight of the night, which was Derouche versus Gamrot. That's fight of the night material. Yeah. This one, if they stand up, it's fight of the night. I'm going to guarantee you this is fight of the night if they stand up. Right. If Jan, which I believe he's going to do because he knows why would I ever want to box with this guy when he's got, like you said, five inch reach, four inch height, like yeah. this guy is going to be towering over you. I'm going to just stick to you, take you to the ground. I think that's how it's going to go. But if it's standing up, give me my man, Sugar Sean O'Malley, in a, in a TKO victory. Yeah, I'm almost worried about, you know, you're talking about whether or not O'Malley will take this seriously or not. I'm concerned about whether Piotr Jan fully respects Sean O'Malley, right? Yeah. We're seeing already, uh, you know, in, in Abu Dhabi, Sean O'Malley walks in like a superstar. He already walks like a champ, right? He's got the biggest entourage of anybody there. He carries himself like a superstar. Yeah. And I don't know if Piotr Jan fully respects this guy who's, you know, several rankings down. Um, I don't know. But I think if he does, if he's taken this seriously, if he's fully prepared for this guy, I'll take Piotr Jan uh, probably kind of mid-second round to finish. Uh, probably on the ground, right? Like I said. But he, he he's... He's a perfectly capable striker as well. Oh but, yeah, but that five inch reach advantage is big, and you gotta you gotta be careful there. So it wouldn't surprise me if that one goes to the ground. Would it, you be surprised said, though if he if he if he took uh, O'Malley lightly? No, that's what I'm afraid of. That's what I'm saying. Like I, I I'm I'm I'd slightly be, worried. I'd, I'd be shocked though the way yeah. that his last couple fights have gone. I just this is I a guy that just watched the pink Lamborghini roll oh, up, and the guy playing. I could see him on Twitch smoking weed, and you're just like, "Fuck, what? I'll finish this guy and get back to my title chase." Yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know. Hey, I could see it happening too. I yeah. just, I, me personally, like I, I'm a huge fan of Peter Yon. Like, yeah, like yeah. if it's not for Sugar Sean O'Malley, I'm normally cheering for this guy. Mm-hmm. Like even against Aljamain Sterling, both times I was a Yon guy. Right. Um, but for this fight, I'm like, all right, if you don't take this guy serious, then it kind of says a little bit about yourself as it a does, fighter. Of course it Because does. you just got beat up by the champ that you called out yep. and ripped apart for a year, and now you're getting a chance to try and get back to that title fight. Um, and if you don't take it seriously, I'm going to be very disappointed with him. I'm not going to be <laughs> – like, I'm, you might lose me as a fan. Right. Um, either way, like I said, I'm hoping for a, a firework fight fight of the night kind of style between these two. And if Sugar it stays upright, you're totally right. This yeah. will be fireworks yeah. as well. And if he wrestles them to the ground, I'm not going to blame him for that either. No. And he just wrestles them and smart. sticks to him and yeah. just takes three rounds of, you know what? Suck it, buddy. I'm going right <laughs> to the top. I'm going back to a title shot. I, like I could see that happening. And this is one of those fights, you know, we talked a little while ago about why this card was so exciting to, to us and our, our little group chat and all that. Mm-hmm. Your guy, right? Everybody knows when Sean O'Malley comes up, it's like, oh, that's Bunda's guy, right? We're going to keep an eye on that. And now he's facing Piotr Jan, who, like we, we've we said here, is, is cream of the crop. <sighs> this is, as much as the main event's going to be awesome, as much as the co-main is going to be awesome, this was the one that immediately got everybody's attention. Like, oh, shit, here we go. Like, here we go. Sean O'Malley, he, He's into he's in deep now. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's see. Right, I've, so. I've got two guys, and one's got a pink Lamborghini and wild hairdos, <laughs> and a nice Irish tattoo on his back. My other guy, Bryce Mitchell, is a flat earther, calling out Joe Rogan <laughs> about conspiracy theories, and he's a redneck from Arkansas that just uh, is badass and, and soon to be Patty Pimblet on the rise. Right, he's coming too. Yeah, so. I, I, Patty, I just think is a funny fighter. I'm yeah, not okay. going to call him my guy. All right, but all the right. two of my favorite fighters to watch and that I love are, are Sugar Show and Bryce Mitchell. So. 
one, uh, like I said, is uh, kind of calling out Joe Rogan about no, gravity not <laughs> existing and, uh, you know, being the, the earth is flat, which kind of makes me cringe a bit, but I'll still love him because he's got camo shorts and he's from Arkansas sure. and he just loves the tilt. But then, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm hoping to not get disappointed by my man Sugar Sean O'Malley this weekend. Big weekend for that guy. And uh, as we move into the co-main event here in the same weight class, we have a title fight. It is Aljamain Sterling, uh, and he's going to take on one of Bunda's not favorites, one of Bunda's non-boys, uh, TJ Dillashaw, who, look, both of these guys at different points in their careers have played the heel, right? Aljamain Sterling, he took some shit after, you know, we talked a little while ago about winning the title from Piotr Jan because Piotr Jan need him in the face while he was down. You know, he gets the title based on a disqualification. And he was sort of, as you alluded to, getting his ass kicked in that fight. But when someone blasts... No sort of. He was getting his ass was, kicked. He was. <laughs> and so all of a sudden, he's leaving the octagon with the championship going, I didn't win that, right? Mm-hmm. And everyone online, all of his interviewers, everybody else was also happy to remind him, yeah, you didn't win that. And so he needed that second fight with Piotr Jan what, that we already alluded to when teeing up the last fight to say... I can beat this fucking guy. And he did beat him clean. And so now he's got Dillashaw coming at him. Dillashaw is a guy who has quite the reputation, let's call it. Um, He served a suspension after testing positive for EPO, which is some serious shit. Um, But he's a striker. He's capable. He's a very good uh, fighter. But he's played the heel at times. Uh, I forget, was it? What was the team that he and uh, and Garbrandt? Yeah, no, it was Cody Garbrandt versus the, oh, it, one of them left uh, American Top Team. It was yeah, and you know at that point, um, you know they both end up Dillashaw ends up kind of being the heel there. Uh, Aljamain Sterling ends up being the heel because he won the fight apparently or won his title unfairly. And now both of these guys have taken turns being the bad guy. I don't think there's any question in this fight. If it's going to be cheers and boos, I think Sterling has proven enough, right? He's come back from injury. He's won his title. He's won it legit. And TJ Dillashaw's kind of a dick. I think everybody's pretty, pretty comfortable with that scenario, but he is an incredibly talented fighter. His mm-hmm. striking is going to be better than Sterling's. Uh, Sterling's is a little, it's not knockout power, but it's a little off pace, right? He throws it at kind of times when you're not necessarily expecting him to throw a punch and, and that can keep guys on their toes. But, but Dillashaw has openly disrespected him and said like that, the, a guy who strikes like that is the champion in my weight class. I, I'm going to finish this guy. I'm going to take the belt. Uh, what do you think of this one, man? Uh, yeah, I, I'm a very much a no love Cody Garbrandt guy. <laughs> so when they had their rivalry, I get that Dillashaw won uh, both fights, but at the same time, like you said, EPO. Yeah. Enough said. Yep. Um, Garbrandt, uh, you know, I love bad boys that can have some knockout power. Um, I love guys that are going to talk the crap. And I think that's why I've always been on that side of it. When I look at TJ Dillashaw, it's this guy that's trying to be the good dude that really EPO once again and fight. He, he faced a two year suspension for yeah. it. And he's had one fight since 2019. Yeah. And that was this fight against Sanhagen. And then he got injured in that fight and hasn't fought since then. Yeah. And now he's back in the octagon against Aljamain Sterling, who, you know, he's only fought once since his injury, his injury that he had mm-hmm. against Peter Yon and came back and then beat Peter Yon. And now it's like, all right, like, let's go. And I loved that when Aljamain Sterling came back out and 
he had every reason to be intimidated, uh, you know, you know, not show up. Uh, you know, this is a guy that got beat by Peter Yawn and lost the and and still won the belt. Yeah, like you said, he this yeah. Is, and the next eight months, every time he checked Twitter, his replies were just full of clown faces every and day. Shit, right, every like day. It, it was, yeah, and he was, heard from it from yeah, fighters too. Yeah, yeah, you're not the real champ. You got your ass kicked. Like, yeah. Well, what do you want me to do about it? The guy fucking broke the rules, so they handed me the belt. Like what? And mentally, it could, he, like that could have take you two ways. It could take you to tear you down, yeah. or it could build you stronger. And the fact that he came back and he fought and beat Peter Yawn, yeah. and the way he that he fought did, him again, like he him fought him of, again, yeah, yeah. which no matter what he they were going to fight again. That yeah, was course, inevitable. Course, yeah. Like he was, Yawn was getting the next title fight unless Sandhagen somehow won that fight between yeah. the two of them, but he didn't. And like I said, Yawn took care of that business, came back, and then he got his ass beat. And I loved it because it was. It just yeah, showed yeah. how, like, and Aljamain Sterling, such an unorthodox, kind of crazy, wild fighter. Yes. He likes to have fun in the octagon, kind of throwing some different things at you. Kind of a, like, I don't know, I don't want to say Tony Ferguson 2.0, but he's got that kind of feel where sure. one minute he's going to do something wild and crazy to get your attention, and then the next thing you know, he throws a kick at you in the face. And it's like, <laughs> all right, this guy's crazy. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I'm excited for this fight because I really want to see TJ Dillashaw lose. Because right. I just don't like the guy no. at all. Because this is a guy that, like I said, tries to play the good boy, but really he's, yeah, he's, he's kind of scummy. And yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. I don't like him. Um, and at the same time, though, talented fighter. He is, of course. I, I, I like watching him in the octagon. He's a big time wrestler. He's I've I've seen a couple of interviews this week where he's talking trash about how Aljamain Sterling is a good wrestler, but he's nowhere close to the same level as he is. And it's like, all right, dude, like you fought once and like since 2019, yeah. and now you're coming back from an injury. Um, I was curious about how he'd fight Cody Sanhagen, and that was a very tight fight. Yep. Like that was a tight it's fight. Funny, Sanhagen's been all over this, right? He's been the guy yeah. in between everybody. I feel <laughs> bad for Sanhagen <laughs> because every time I want him to win, because yeah. he's just a guy that just, you know, oh yeah, he he's gives it all. In the, yeah. he, he leaves it all in the octagon. But we've every referenced time. him like three times in this show. It's <laughs> like the the guy that got punched out by yeah. all the contenders in this division. Yeah, so, so I'm, I'm assuming we're going to see a little bit from Delashaw of the wrestling game here, where he's going to try and take him down, mainly because we've got a four-inch reach as well for Sterling in this fight. Yeah. So I don't, not either of these guys are, hey, let's stand up and box the whole time. For TJ Dillashaw. It's like Sterling has that reach advantage, but I don't think he's the better striker, right? Like I, I think Dillashaw's the better striker. Yeah. But it, it like that's a weird mix, right? Where Sterling has the reach advantage, but isn't quite as talented on his feet I wouldn't think in my opinion it's it's a tough fight and this is where you get down to it and it's like you know basing yours and my knowledge off TJ Dillashaw is a guy that fought what Three years yeah, ago, yeah, it's, it is a different breed now. He's a couple years older. On how, God knows what. How, well, that, well, that and his speed comes down a bit, right? Regardless, like sure. you know, he's not the guy that was fighting Cody Garbrandt, you know, f- four years ago, five no. years ago, where he was. I don't want to say his peak, but that was peak TJ Dillashaw. Yeah. And now we're looking at Aljamain Sterling, who's the champion and at his peak. And yeah, he's only had a couple fights, mainly due to injury, but he also has fought more recent than yep. um, TJ Dillashaw. And I'm curious to see Dillashaw once after an injury but only having that one fight where at times against Sanhagen, you know, that was a, like I said, tight fight. Like you're looking at, it came down to the wire in a split decision. So I'm, I'm curious to see if this is a, let's box it out. Let's wrestle it out. I don't expect a very exciting fight, to be mm-hmm. honest. I don't think that this is going to end in a decision, uh, in a, uh, knockout or a submission. I think this is going to go the decision. Uh, it's going to be a five round fight. Um, I'm nervous because I need to get the, this dang wedding and I don't need a five round fight. I'm hoping I'm wrong more than I am right in this situation. But as I look at this fight, I sense this as being more of a wrestling game from, uh, TJ Dillashaw 
and I'm going to take Aljamain Sterling to win this fight because I'm hoping that he can end it early. I'm also expecting Sterling to come out, you know, far more, I don't know, how, people can decide for themselves how much of a factor this is. I expect him to feel better. I expect him mentally to yeah. be freer, right, to I've conquered the shit that people said I couldn't conquer, right? I, I went mm-hmm. out, I beat Piotr Jan after everyone said I was a joke champion. I expect mentally him to come out and be like, oh, fuck that. I'm, I'm, I'm fucking good. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I, and so I kind of think, honestly, I, I'm taking Sterling as well, but kind of a fourth round finish. I think Dillashaw with the time off, um, and, uh, you know, how little he's fought. I think when you get into those championship rounds, you go a little bit deeper. I think Sterling might be able to finish him on the ground. So I, I'm going to look for a, a fourth round finish, probably on the ground though, not a knockout yeah. by any means for, uh, it's kind of how I see that one going. Yeah. I want to see too, for Aljamain Sterling, you bring up that point. I want to see after this win against Pierre Dion, how you are as a champion and how you are as a fighter, right? Because like you said, that's him slaying his dragon yes. of Pierre Dion mm-hmm. after all the shit he heard, all the beef he took like from fighters, everyone. How do you then fight your next fight? Because we're getting to talk about Charles Oliveira in the next fight. Yes. And this is a guy that gets better every single fight. Yep. And he's, I, I want to see if Aljamain Sterling is that guy that, you know what? He just beat a crazy opponent, but then he gets and he looks even better in his next fight against an even tougher opponent. Mm-hmm. I want to see from Aljamain Sterling, how are you in this next fight against TJ Dillashaw? Are you going to, like you said, just, you know what? I slay the dragon. I'm cool. Or am I... I slayed the dragon and I'm going to be I'm that much to fucking 10 times. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. let's go TJ Dillashaw. You're yeah. nothing to me. I want to see how he handles this octagon. I want to see how. It's a turning point for him. Yeah. And one way or the other. I know his mic skills are going to be on top. I know <laughs> yeah. he's going to be fun in the octagon, but I just want to see how he performs. And if it's a guy that takes it lightly, doesn't come prepared, or if this is a guy that's ready to go and it's all business. I want, I'm, I'm excited to see. It's time for your main event of the evening. As we're going to see... Uh, Is that your best Bruce Buffer impression? It's not my best. It's... Uh, give me your best. Let's do it. I mean, let's by <laughs> me calling you out. <laughs> it's time! That's I'll, almost more of a Vince McMahon. Like, I'll give it to you, though. You're fired. <laughs> I'll give it to you. All right. You had it. <laughs> uh, Charles Oliveira, for the lightweight, uh, the lightweight champion, taking on Islam Mahachev. Makachev, depending on who you listen to. Uh, I've been wrestling with that name as well all week, getting ready to do this show. This is, this man, this is, I don't, this is more exciting than what Hamza Chimea versus Diaz was was going to be, right? Everyone wanted to see mm-hmm. what can Chimea do, but we sort of, for better or worse, didn't think Diaz had much left, right? He was going to maul him and punt him out of the UFC, and that was it. Oh, this does feel a little bit, though, like Chimea versus Burns did. Um, Charles Oliveira is a guy that doesn't get anywhere near enough respect, despite being the um, the light <laughs> lightweight champion. He's beaten everyone in the top five over the last 18 months. Michael Chandler, gone. Justin Gaethje, gone. Dustin Poirier, gone. Like, he's done his thing. He's done what a champion is supposed to do, and he's done it in spectacular fashion. He is now the all-time leader in finishes in the UFC, and you're talking about a guy who at one point was 8-8 eight and eight in the UFC. Entirely unimpressive, right? Just a guy. And since then, he's gone 11 straight wins, 10 of them by finish. This is a true champion who has only gotten better as he's gone. 
and we're facing now a guy like Islam Mahachev who has a ton of hype. And some people, depending who you want to listen to, will say he's only about hype, right? We've we've heard Habib talk him up. Uh, you know, we've heard the UFC talk him up. And he hasn't really beaten anyone. Dan Hooker, fine. Bobby Green, all right. But he's never had to wade into that top five, right? This this The deepest division right now in the UFC is that lightweight division. And so this is um, a spectacular fight. The champ of champs maybe in the UFC taking on this ultimate prospect, this guy who if he takes you to the ground just absolutely mauls you. I am so pumped for this main event. Like maybe none... I don't even know when the last one would be, right? Francis Ngannou versus Stipe Miocic. Maybe it was the last time I was this excited for a main event, man. This is going to be incredible. No, it's going to be great. And uh, you look at both of these fighters and, you know, you bring on Makachev. And I remember, I think, doing a podcast with, uh, you know, you and Creech a couple of years ago now. I don't know how many years we've been doing this, but we've been sure. seeing up fights for a while, man. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, you asked me, hey, like, tee up a card on the prelims. And, um, yeah. And, or, I can't remember if it was prelims or another fighter to watch for. And I believe it was the Diego Moses, uh, sorry, the Diego Moses fight or the Drew Dober fight, where I was like, you know what? I was doing a bit of reading, and I think I heard either Joe Rogan or somebody write about that this is the upcoming guy. Islam Akachev is the guy that yeah. everyone to watch for. Yeah. He is the guy. He's the reason why, uh, you know, the, there's, I don't want to say the rumors or whatever it is, but you know, there's rumors of why Herbie Nurmagomedov got out of this division. It's because of this kid. <laughs> it's because he's been training and working with this kid, knowing he's young, he's good, and he is better than me. And he is strong. He's, he's going to wrestle yeah. you to the ground. Yeah. He's basically a Habib Nurmagomedov 2.0. With Maybe submission. without the personality. Yeah, with the submission <laughs> skills. He's a business guy, gets in there, and he's, he's – the fourth ranked guy, uh, lightweight right now in this division, and I'm excited to see it. It's funny to look at his career. He's been in the UFC since 2015. Yeah, and you know he, he's Doesn't lost feel one. Like it. Yeah, he got knocked out in 2017, I believe it was, or yeah. in 2015. Yeah, in 2015 he had a he got knocked out uh, by. Let me find his name. Adriano Martins. Oh, sure. Yeah, remember name. that name yeah, because <laughs> it'll never, ever be said again. Um, but either way, he's, he's got the knockout, the one win that uh, – uh, sorry, the one loss that Makachev has ever had on his career um, is that. And after that, 10 straight wins, yep. you know, four finishes in that, you know, two in the first round. And that's recently of his last couple fights. Um, this is going to be a really crazy fight because you, br- you brought it up right off the top – Charles Oliveira never gets enough love no. for how damn good he is. And I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Charles Oliveira because I brought it up last. He Every time he fights somebody, he gets better. And it's like, okay, well, he's going to lose to this guy. No. You look at his last couple fights and, yeah, you, you go. He gets hit, right? Well, man, he beat Tony Ferguson. Then yeah. he won against Michael Chandler, Dustin Poirier, and Justin Gaethje. Those are guys that are just wild, right? J- Justin Gaethje. You know he's he's proven to be just a slugger, yes. and he doesn't really he's a, he's an uh, all American wrestler, but he never uses it. All he wants to do is throw. Yeah. And you go, Michael Chandler is just a monster, and he's shown that he can. You know he belongs in this division too. But uh, Tony Ferguson, it was right around when he's kind of started falling from grace a bit yeah. after Justin Gaethje kind of touched him up in that uh, interim belt for the uh, fight against uh, uh, Habib Nurmagomedov. Yep. And it's like, all right, so. These are some serious guys, and Oliver's got a three and a half inch reach. Months. He's taken five, 
All five of them out. And he's always down. And I love that about yeah. him. It's like, well, even this one, the next best guy. You're marching into Abu Dhabi to face one of these Dagestani guys. Like guys who train with Khabib. This is their playground. He's like, sure. fuck it. I'm in. Like, yeah. let's go. But that's the way he's been yeah. all day. He's yeah. like, he wins a fight and he's like, give me the next yeah, best next. guy. Let's go. Give me the next best guy. I don't care what the ranking is. Whoever's deserving of this next fight. Give it to me. And you look at it, and it's like, all right, Makachev has all the hype around him. Like you said, he, he's he's had some interesting fights. Nobody big, but so he's he's shown that he has the skill, kind of repertoire, like you said, yeah. Hamza Chumayev kind of style of, you know, this is his test fight now. Yes, it is. is. Where do you belong? Are you in the top two, or are you a guy that's, you know, five, six, still learning, figuring it out? Yeah. For Charles Oliveira, the one thing that he's always shown is he is just an absolute beast everywhere in the octagon. You want to stand up? The guy's got length. Yeah. He's got some striking ability and he'll stand there and throw with you. You want to go to the ground? You're going to get choked out. You're going to get subbed. Like this is a guy that can wrestle. It's he- funny because we have no idea because like the natural assumption is that Mahachev is going to want to take him down. Right? 100%. Well, but, but that's the way he's been. That, yeah. But when you look at that and you go, I have no idea what Joel, uh, Charles Oliveira's takedown defense is like because no one tries to do it. No one wants to go to the ground with mm-hmm. Oliveira. This is going to be maybe the first time that we get to see someone would prefer to do that with Charles Oliveira, right? Everybody else is, you know, you mentioned some of these names, like Gaethje and and, and Michael Chandler. They didn't want to go to the ground. Dustin with. Poirier, too. Like, yeah. we've heard, like, you know, that Dustin Poirier in the lightweight division is one of the best. So but, you're like, Charles Oliveira, can he stuff a takedown? I don't know. No one tries to take him down. Well, that's, <laughs> and that's the thing. Like, let's see. Like, this is a, you know, a championship fight. It's the main event of the evening, like you said, yeah. in your Bruce Buffer voice. Like, this is the fight <laughs> that... Everyone's excited for, yes. and at the same time, is one that could be the fight of the night. I still am leaning towards, you know, Gamrot and Derouche, but I'm also like, this is a fight where it can go all five rounds, and both guys can barely stand up, and they're just either bloodied or have no energy because they've been wrestling all all fight. Like this is going to be a monster fight, and I love it because. I'm still hearing a lot of Makhachev love, and mm-hmm. yes, you know Habib Nurmagomedov. Once again, we're bringing he's up his name. Favorite, he's not even fighting. No, and he's and we're talking about Habib Nurmagomedov more than we ever have. Yeah, but uh, we're, he's there. He's in his background. He's going to be in his corner. He's been all around this card, and he's going to be there helping him out. For Charles Dabby, Oliveira, yeah. though, this guy's kind of just his own own entity. He just kind of shows up and he does his job, and he gets out of there, and he says, "Next, yeah." And I love that. And I, I like I said, it's business. I right? want it's fighters that are just ready to go, and they'll fight everybody. You know, it's not a game about give me the next ranked guy, give me the next best guy. I'll beat them all. Right. I'm not moving anywhere. No, he's not picking I'm standing his here. He's I'm not, holding my yeah. belt. I've got some style. I got some trash Who's talk. Next? New Bronx is ready to go. I'm jacked <laughs> up for it. I think he wins this fight, and I'm going to go with a knockout in the second or third round because I think that when we Oliver, get to it, yeah. we're in. Yeah, I think Oliveira's like New Bronx here. This is a guy that I feel like just. Always is underrated, but he is so good at just about every aspect of fighting that we he's been around the UFC since 2010. Uh, you know, we're looking at like t- I said, it took him a while. He was eight and eight at one point. Yeah, yeah, and the, and but you know what? He, he just kept going yeah. and he got better yep. every fight. Like I, you can go back through his, we can bring up his record and go through each fight, and it's like okay, 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 damn, this what guy's getting learn? better. I look at like goes. I said, just the last four and the fact that he was able to go out Gaethje, Poirier, Chandler, Ferguson, yep. like. 
It's just fucking wild. And man. it wasn't even close. No. It wasn't this like division Dustin Poirier. Is well regarded as the best in the UFC right now, and he's just smashed everybody. Yeah. And you look and you can ask most people, Dustin Poirier, the reason why he wasn't fighting for the title earlier is because he was too busy trying to hang out with uh, Conor McGregor yeah. for a bit. And yeah. you know, good for him because he just wanted to bury money. Conor McGregor for a bit, which go ahead, do that, finish this guy's career. Do whatever you got to do, Dustin Poirier. But he came back in, fought, and lost to Charles Oliveira. Yep. And that was a guy that has been regarded as one of the best and most underrated lightweights. You go in there, Charles Oliveira has very little weaknesses, and he's just a fighter. And he, I love it. He's got the glasses. He's got the mic skills. He's got the <laughs> abilities. And I feel like he's a guy where uh, you could point to a couple, you, you know, Yambakovic when he won the belt. It was like, okay, well, let's get Izzy Adesanya in there so we can have a two-division champion. Yeah. But nobody had any respect for him. People are a bit more respective of Charles Oliveira, but Du Bronx, man, this is a guy that he's nasty and I love his style. I'm picking him to win this fight in an early knockout because I think you got a guy like Makachev who just doesn't have that experience totally yet against big guys and big fighters. And he's going to go in there trying to wrestle and do everything. And he's just going to get outmatched and he's going to get himself caught because he's thinking too far ahead. So that's where I'm going to take Du Bronx, Charles Oliveira. Are you surprised that Vegas has Mahachev as the the favorite here, and it's not a huge favorite, but is this just playing up the the hype, right? And and that people want to bet on this guy, or like, do you believe they actually think he's the fit? Like, I can't believe that after everything Charles Oliveira has done, he's the underdog in the fight. I want to look up. Uh, do you have the spread? I, I'm trying to look up. It the was. Spread. I think it was only like minus one fifty. Yeah, it doesn't matter. But to me, it bothers me a bit that they're not going to give the champion against a guy that hasn't really fought anyone like Bobby Green. Come on. That's what I'm saying. It does right? bother like, me a bit that you're going to throw a lot your of champ. hype. Yeah. Yeah. You look at the, the, like I said, the murderer's row that he's had to face. Oh, yeah. It bothers me a bit. I'm not. It's funny I, though. Eh? Like he gets hit a lot. Like you're, there's been several of those fights where early on you're like, oh, he's fucked. And he comes back and gets it done. Like one of those things that, that, you know, he's very, for lack of a better term, very touchable, but unfinishable, right? Like he, he seems to get hit a lot. He seems to, to get knocked down, but he will get up and finish it, right? And you just wonder, not that Machev's um, slugging is going to be what is the the ultimate decider here, but you do wonder a little bit if that some at some point catches up with you, right? If he if he punches you down and then ends up on top of you, that could be that could be it. Yeah, and that's why I love the UFC. Is it, it really truly is a puncher's chance, no matter what. Like, look at Leon Edwards, Kamar Usman. Yeah. All it takes is one yeah. snap of the fingers, and a fight can go in either direction. And I love that aspect of it. Right? It's it, 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 you can say it for so many different sports, but you really do rely on yourself in this position because you have no team around you. Right? You have your team outside the octagon, but you got to get in there and perform. You can have guys screaming in your face, yelling at you <laughs> what to do. You don't have to do it. Like, look at Leon Edwards. Right? He every Every round, he won that first round, but then it was second, third, fourth. Floyd was mopped. But then you had um, Rocky's trainer. What's his name? Uh, Mickey. You had Mickey in his face yelling at him, (laughs) screaming at him, get your ass up. You're going to win this fight. (laughs) And he has the last last minute leg knockout, uh, sorry, kick knockout, and it's like, holy shit. And that's what I love about the UFC. So there's always that ass. always got a shot, yeah. There's always that aspect of it. Um, like I said, I personally am a little grumpy that they're going to give that favorite. Um, they're going to lean with Makachev being the champion, or sorry, the the uh, the, the favorite, favorite, the betting favorite in that sense. I don't Maybe care about betting to that much. A little money, right? I yeah, why not? And and you know what? The one thing that bothers me is that somehow Vegas always knows something. 
right? The gamblers, they always know something, yes. and it's like they're never far off. So it bothers me to no end that they do I'm this. I'm with kind you of though, stuff. man. I, I think I'm taking the champ here. I yeah. think Charles Oliveira has been underrated for too long. I do think Mahachev is better than most people, even with the hype, give him credit for. I do sure. think for a, it won't be long before he's champ. But Dan Hooker and, and Bobby Green was not enough to get him ready for facing Charles Oliveira. And those are the only names that he has has faced and beaten. And so I think Oliveira finishes him this time, maybe sends him back down a couple rankings. He's got to win two or three more fights before he gets another shot at it. And maybe by then he's ready. But Oliveira, man, after what he's been through, after the guys he's knocked off, I, I think it's too soon to be just assuming that that, uh, that Makachev is going to uh, take this from him. So I, I'll, I'll go with the champ as well. The one thing I did want to ask you, did you see the name? that's been brought in as the replacement fighter. If someone misses weight, uh, this is now a big story right after what happened on that last pay-per-view. There's always a guy who's brought in close mm-hmm. enough to making weight. Always, you know, if someone can't go, we still want to give the pay-per-view audience a good fight. Did you see who was brought in flew halfway around the world to Abu Dhabi in case one of these two guys doesn't make weight in the main event? Volk. It is Alexander Volkanovsky. The, uh, the champion at, um, what is it? Feather, uh, yeah, featherweight. Yeah. The next weight class down. He's talked a few times about moving up to lightweight, which is, I, we may have talked about this on the show before already kind of crazy as shit, right? Cause that is a dangerous division mm-hmm. full of killers. Uh, but Volkanovsky wants to be a, 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 a two belt guy, a, a guy who's won multiple championships and he's cleaned out his division, but. He has flown to Abu Dhabi. If somebody misses weight, if somebody sustains an injury, if somebody can't go in that main event. And I got to tell you, man, I am very excited to see Charles Oliveira versus Islam Makachev. But if one of those guys can't go, I'm very excited to see Alexander Volkanovsky versus Charles Oliveira or Alexander Volkanovsky versus Islam Makachev. In terms of a backup fight, after what the UFC went through last month, this is about as, uh, as about of uh, about as big of a name as you could bring in to to be the backup fighter. Yeah, and I love it. Um, it it's one. What more, an animal! Volkanovski is one of my like. You know, we talking about my boys, yeah. Sugar Sean O'Malley yeah. and, and Bryce Mitchell. But you know, in terms of champions, um, Volkanovski. Like, Fuck it, I'll go to Abu Dhabi. Volkanovski is like the ultimate champion. Yeah. Um, you know, he's kind of like a GSP. I always look to it because I feel like he always gets looked down on as, you know what, okay, you're whatever. And, you know, this is a guy that just keeps battling and keeps fighting. 100%, and, man. Yeah, I love it. Like, undefeated. Undefeated. Like, yeah. the guy's a monster. I've so I love that. my division. I'll go to another country with no promise that I even have a fight in case you need somebody to get in there. I'll go. Mm-hmm. Fucking love that, man. Much uh, much uh, different when it comes down to the the size, you know. Of course, being a much smaller guy, but at the same time, well, he's going to be ready to go. But that is, he's hey, hey, he can walk around. Did he not play rugby for a long time there? For oh, for he, yeah, he, like he's he doesn't have to be that small. He's. <laughs> I'd be curious to see. I'd have to look up the stats here quickly. Um, but you know the the difference in range if he fought a guy like uh, Charles Oliveira sure, because yeah. there's you know sure. like I said Charles Oliveira already has a three and a half inch reach on Makachev who's already a big guy yeah for his, uh, for his weight class so I'd love so. to know some of the stats and the height like you know Volk's a short guy he but is. I think he, at one point he was two twenty five yeah. like the guy was a monster <laughs> and a rugby player in Australia um, but it's just always a businessman and I love him uh, completely because I think he's tried to kind of get out of his element a bit more add some more 
words when he talks it. on the mic. Saw it with Izzy. It's not a yeah. It, I don't love your, it. Stay in your lane. You keep, get to the GS, dominating. Yeah, you get to that GSP, uh, GSP, and the you know what? You're just a champion. You speak highly of your opponent. You don't disrespect them. And I'm okay with that. Um, where I fell in love with him was in the Ultimate Fighter when he was the coach against Brian Ortega. Yes. And Ortega was just a complete dink and made me absolutely <laughs> just despise a guy like uh, Brian Ortega who doesn't just showed that he didn't care about fighting really. He just, I, I just think some of these champs, I don't know, you move up, you get dusted, you lose some of your shine, right? And and so I don't Some know. of them, yeah. And not this, as often as not. <laughs> well, let's see. If, like My biggest thing is... Like, is there any doubt in your mind, is Adesanya is a better fighter than... Um, when he moved up to light heavyweight and fought, uh, Yamakovich. Yeah. He's uh, better. He's, of course he's better, but he faced a bigger guy and it's harder, right? It's just a different world. Yeah. And I feel like there was more pressure from him by the UFC. When he showed up at the way and eating pizza. That was fucking hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> and, this is, and I think what, he only gained like, like eight pounds. Yeah. Like he went from 185 to, I think his, his he topped out at 193. I think that's right. Yeah. yeah so it's like, you know. That I feel like there was more pressure and it was ego got in the way there. I don't believe Volkanovski is. Hey, give me the title shot right now. Like he's kind of. You can only stand to lose. Yeah. Right. Like you're the undefeated champ at your weight class. You move up and somebody dusts you in the oh, next yeah. weight class up. The shines off you. That's what happened to Izzy. Right. Izzy had like middleweight. Izzy Adesanya was like untouchable. He's like, ah, oh, fuck it. I'm going to go up to light heavyweight and you get mm-hmm. beat. And now all of a sudden you're. I don't know. You just feel different. You're just a guy now, right? Like, well, we're looking at it, but the way I look at it is, is he wanted that fight and yeah, took he it? Did, yeah. I want to see, you know, Volkanovsky, like you said, he's the backup. Like we're, we're, he clearly we're talking it, about like, Oh, I, I mean, well, if he gets a legit fight, I'll, I'm down to see it. But even if, you know, Oliveira wins this fight, I don't think that Volkanovsky gets title shot right off the bat. Like, Probably, yeah. There's yeah. if Oliveira wins that fight, it we're gonna see some interesting stuff here. But if yeah. if Makachev comes in, you know, it's you know, we could see the winner of Darius versus Gamrot. Like Gamrot moves up, maybe who does he fight next? But for yeah, you know, if wins, it could be any of those guys we just referenced, right? It could be Gaethje, it could be Chandler, it could be yeah, uh, it, that whole top five. It kind of reopens everything up. Yeah. And if you look at this fight, like for Oliveira, something tells me if you know Benil Darius takes this fight yeah. against Gamrot, yeah. well, you know what? That's maybe a title fight because yeah, we've seen from Oliveira he'll fight everybody ready and who wants to fight. Who knows what's going to happen? So I'm excited to see it. I don't know if Volkanovski gets the next title shot though, um, and if he really wants to. Because there's still lots going on in the featherweight division. Well, not lots, not but, lots. <laughs> but Josh Emmett and um, Arnold he, Allen are still there. My man there. Bryce Mitchell is there. Uh, Mavsar Evlovev, who was supposed to fight Bryce Mitchell in a card in yeah. November, has recently pulled out of that fight. So Bryce Mitchell is now looking to fight somebody. He called the Ilya Tapura. He hasn't accepted that fight. I don't know why. <laughs> he said uh, apparently to. Um, Bryce Mitchell, that he can't make that weight, even though he was supposed to make the weight a week earlier. So <laughs> I'm not really sure what's going on in that featherweight division, but there's still guys in that sure. kind of area that, all right, like you can have a fight. Um, so we'll see how it goes until he actually- But he's not moving up to fight someone at like number eight. He's No, but these are guys that I believe are, I, I don't think, my point is, is I don't see Volkanovski jumping into that lightweight division. Um Without kind of taking care of these these guys yeah. after they fight, right? And there's there's enough there where let's just kind of see how it plays out. I'm cool with him being the backup fighter because even if he goes in there, it's like, well, I was the backup fighter. I wasn't supposed to fight. He's preparing like he's ready to go, which you know, cool, good for you, respect, yep. all to you. And it the protects fl- the UFC after what they went through last month, having to reshuffle 100%. that attack. If one of those guys comes up, 
You're on the island. You can't just fly a guy in. Right. Yeah, no, you're right. That's a great point. You're not just sitting in Vegas where there's a flight from any city in North America (laughs) from anywhere. Uh, You can bring somebody in. You're in Abu Dhabi. He's going in. If the fight goes off without a hitch, great. If it doesn't, this is a guy that will still make people like you and I getting ready to buy the fight go, fuck, I'm still in, right? Like, I'll, I'll watch that, so... Uh, it's interesting though. That is a big name to be a backup fighter, right? A, a champion mm-hmm. at another division. So I just thought that was interesting. Anything else you wanted to touch on, on this card before we get out of here, Bunda? Uh, I feel like we've been talking about this card for four hours. Honestly, man, we can. It, it's, it's we a great really card. Can. Yeah. No, and I'll, I'll just shout out on the prelims. You know, we already had the main fight pretty yeah. much, but, uh, I'll shout out the Canadian fighter, Malcolm Gordon, uh, Calgary guy. He fights out of London though. He's fighting though against a Mohammed Mokayev. This is a guy that is young, up-and-coming guy. He's only had a couple fights in the UFC. He's 8-0 hmm. in his career. He's only 22 years old, 2-0 in the UFC. For Gordon, he's coming off back-to-back wins. He had a first-round TKO, um, kind of broke a guy's wrist, but <laughs> eh, whatever. It's kind of. wrestling, kind of, but he had some power against it. So I'm excited to see Malcolm Gordon shout it to a Canadian love. I'll always find someone that's on the card. If there's not, well, then I'll stretch. But at this time, <laughs> you know what, Malcolm Gordon, I believe it's the first or second fight of the night uh, on this card in the prelims. So it'll probably be early, 10.30, 10.45 fight in the morning. If you're uh, waking up and want to watch something on TSN, check out the Canadian boy Free Malcolm fights. Gordon against uh, a young guy trying to jump up into this division. So uh, this is why we appreciate having you in. You've always, you do the deep digs, right? The deep dives, find all these guys. And, uh, you know, we'll see. Maybe people have to follow you on Instagram at stevebunda91, whether or not you're staring at the television and these fights or the mirror trying to learn how to remember how to tie a tie. I, I know that like the back of my He's hand. got it, eh? Okay. Because to me, every now and then you're like, wait. Where do I crawl? The one it lock- takes me a couple attempts, man. I may be, uh, I'm a country boy that's uh, got more redneck in him than probably uh, class, but at the same time, uh, lucky enough, you know, working many uh, sporting events and events over the years where tying a tie, you I, had a YouTube, know, eh? I YouTubed yeah. that about 10 years ago and it's like, uh, I don't know, I can figure that out pretty fast, but I'll be sure to be watching these fights. If we get a couple go the distance, I'm, you better believe I'll be pulling my hair out. I'm sure the group messages are going to be flying. Uh, but of course, man. No, like, you know, it's funny to kind of go back through these deep dives and I can't remember exactly which fight it was, but at one point, Makachev was my deep dive and yep. a, a guy to keep an That's eye true. on. That's true. Now he's main event. He's main event going for the belt and, you know, sometimes when you read and hear about these these guys, you watch some Dana White contender series like a Sean O'Malley, or you go in around and you see Ultimate Fighter guys showing up. It's it's always fun to watch Slowly the UFC because up. Charles Oliveira, like you said, one point eight and eight, and a guy that has been in the UFC since two thousand ten, and I think he might be the most well rounded fighter in the UFC. Yep. Like he's just someone that we don't talk about enough. So I love it, and yeah, uh, once again, before you you get rid of me, thanks again for having me on to talk <laughs> fights because we could do this for hours, Matt. Always, man. It always feels like that, that, uh, that there's so much going on in the in the fight world that we could do this for a long time, but uh, eventually. 281 looks great, too, in Madison Square Garden <laughs> coming up in November. Like, it's crazy. Well, we'll do it again. Then. That's, that's, that's how we do it. Right? We'll never say no. No, so. Let's uh, hope the crowd outside, though, lets me get to my car. <laughs> they saw the CRV. They're expecting the limousine to come up, and they see the beat-up CRV, and they're like, oh, it's this clown again, and they walk away. Um. Yeah, we appreciate you coming in, man, and, and the... Uh, the beer you brought me there was uh, delightful. And uh, so give us a follow on Instagram at Talking Audio. We post all the beers that we sip on the show uh, up there. Uh, Bunny, thank you so much, man. And um, yeah, hope it works out. Hope the fights end quick enough that it doesn't uh, mess with the wedding too much. But 
we know where priorities are. You're going to have to check out that main event before you head out the door from the hotel. So. Better believe if they're great fights too, Matt, that I might be a minute or two to half an hour late for the wedding reception. Happens, Let's right. just tell you that. We'll wind things down here. You can follow Bunda on Twitter and Instagram at SteveBunda91. We'll put those links in the uh, show notes. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Audio. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Wherever you're listening right now, hit follow, hit subscribe. There's uh, there's something like that. There's a button there. Just go ahead and hit it. We'll keep the good stuff coming for you guys. Uh, we'll get out of here on that. For Steve Bunda, my name is Matt Robinson. Thank you all so much for listening. We will catch you all next time. We've had lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of fun. But now the time has come to go. If this silkong was found dead in his bed tomorrow, I'd be in heaven still doing this show. See you some other time! Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Ugh.